G'day and welcome once again to another edition of Stacks. I know it's been so long since the last one, but hey, it's worth it tonight. I've got a very good mate in. He's been on Stacks before. He's uh, the heaviest drummer in Perth. He's a very good friend of mine. Uh, I'll tell you who that is later. But look, I want to let you in on something. This is probably going to be the last Stacks podcast before we move into the studio. Yep, I said it. We were going to move into the studio. The studio, the rock garage, the specific stacks podcasting garage. We're going to have a bar. We're going to have lighting. We're going to have video screens. We're going to do it live. There'll be video cameras set up on a permanent basis for recording in the rock garage. It's going to be absolutely awesome. So you'll be able to dial in and watch us like on YouTube when we're talking visuals and all that kind of thing. You're going to check it out. If you want to know exactly what it is we're going to be doing, go check out Joe Rogan's podcast and you'll see what he does. He's got a bit of uh, him, a bit of the guest, and then he's got the stuff coming up on screen that he's talking about. And he's also got a producer. So we're going to have a producer producing the Stacks podcast as well. So we're uh, on the lookout. If you think you're the guy or you're someone out there that wants to get yourself into, uh, you're a young dude that wants to try a hand at doing a bit of production, uh, by all means, come on board and we can build this thing together. And we can build this thing together. Uh, yeah, so we can build it together, we can make Stacks an awesome podcast, and you never know, one day we might have adverts, which means we make money, which means everyone makes money, and hey, I can quit my million dollar a year job. Sound good? Alright, tonight's guest, is, as I said, is a very good mate of mine. Please put your hands together, put, put them over your heart, stand up tall, Australia. Welcome my very good friend, you know him, he's been on here before. He's the drummer in my band, Blackjack. It's the man, the myth... <laughs> The legend, but not the mix. We all know that. His name is Adam Snell. Do you feel a bit? Hey, boys! Play the music. introduction I've ever had in my life, thank you. Was it, mate? I, uh, yeah, normally it's, um, well, it's a lot harsher than what you did, so I'll take that. You'll take that one? It was, it was the man, the myth, but not the minx. Uh, well, no, there's there's nothing very minxy about me. <laughs> <laughs> you minx. <laughs> we, we do know who the minx is, and, and I'm far from that. So That's uh, Dean Lucan. Oh, I said his name. He was the, he's no longer the myth. No. I've just demythed the myth. You've unmythified him. <laughs> Mister, Miss Busted. I've, I've, miss, I've, I've, I've busted the myth. Mate, what's been what's been going on? How's that bike of yours, by the way? Mate, that... I I've never been happier. I love it. It's uh, my midlife crisis. Uh, Adam's gone and bought himself a motorbike. It's a, it's actually a cracking bike. Mm. Uh, what is it? It's a, a it's a Virago, is it? <laughs> Vespa. <laughs> it's a Kimco ninety. <laughs> You got to pull start the you know, the engine. No, it's a it's a Yamaha Striker they call it. It's a 1300 um, uh, cruiser. It runs great. It sounds great. It's comfy. I I did look at the Harleys, but I realised I couldn't afford a mechanic to follow me around everywhere. So I'm, yeah. I'm stuck with Japanese, and it's good. Yeah, I stuck with Japanese too. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yes, um, yeah. No, I was going to say something. That's okay. But well done you. Yes. <laughs> good, good on me. Good on you indeed, mate. Uh, we did a gig the other night uh, with um, 
Killmeister, Applebyte, and Dead End Brawler. Yeah, they were good too. They were good. It was actually a really good night, but it's... Look, I'm going to bring it up. It's another case of another venue shutting down, which is a great venue. But how, how can they stay open when we're getting... 15 people to a gig. Yeah, and that's, that's a hell of a nice venue that place too. It's brilliant. It, it's a beautiful place. But oh. just, mate, what's going on? Is, is music gone? Is it is it gone? Uh, well, you'd have to start thinking that way, wouldn't you? It's, you know, you've got guys and bands out there really slogging their guts out. Uh, and you get, you get 10, 15 people to a gig and maybe you might have a few hardcore fans, but I, I don't know. There's... Maybe venues aren't paying anymore and people aren't responding to originals. I suppose if you're doing covers and stuff and you're a successful cover band, you're going to make some money. But yeah, the uh, it's died in the backside a bit, hasn't it? Well, it's been like that for a long time, hasn't it? It's, it's, does, I mean, we were fucking awesome. I thought so. As, I, like all us bands, it was, it was a great show. Yeah, it was good awesome. And years ago, when I was a kid growing up, I would give them a left nut to go be part of all that you know just yeah. to watch yeah but it's uh, what would you say it is is it that the, you know there's just so much choice is there too many options well possibly it, it seems to me that uh, the more uh, nightclubs and DJs came in and one person can get, get paid for playing music all night the, the quality's gone down and the, the want for bands who write their own music has gone because one bloke can just sit there and I don't even know if that's the case because we used to uh, blame the DJs quite a lot but I find now that it's it's not really the DJs it's like even you go to a club with a DJ on look I I remember when I was 20 in that you were lining up at doors to get in there's one or two places in Perth that are still like that Mm. but there seems to be a glut of people that can do that now so you're not even going to see a DJ or it's, it's not a novelty it's everywhere you go someone sitting there playing music um, but you need to be Bill Gates or have a bank account like him to yeah. afford a night out on the piss oh exactly it's, it's ridiculous the overheads for pubs and, and clubs now when you first started clubbing how much were you paying for a beer well I turned 18 when I was living in Sydney so uh, I used to go to places like the Jet Club in DY and then we'd hop on the ferry to Man- from Manly uh, into the city and I'd be paying what two fifty for a schooner. Then we got schooner there is a, is a pretty much a pint here, and you could have a great night out in the, in the cross and everything for fifty bucks, a hundred bucks. Now you, most people I know of will drink before they even go out the clubs now because drinking is so expensive once you're inside. And then not be allowed in because uh, you're hammered. Well, unless you're a good-looking uh, I, female. I, I used to go for a beer. I had some mates that lived in a place called Stockton, which is just north of Newcastle. Yep. We used to go over there and have a couple of beers and or a couple. Mm. We used to go with twenty bucks and yep. come home legless. Yep. A uh, dollar twenty a schooner. Yep. So actually, we'd go there with twenty, and then what was it five? So twenty-four bucks. Yeah, and, and, try, and we would try and drink twenty schooners. And we're talking, you know, 20, 25 years ago. So it's, you know, it's gone up massively. And of course I'm going to say exponentially. Exponentially, yes. Oh, exponentially. That's right. What's and exponentially now? I don't know, but... It's when you've got a pedal that used to work. Well, if somebody would like to, to, to call in. Um, but as, as the price has gone up and as... Uh, I, don't, I don't get it. But there is no 
real want for original musicians anymore. There's no... Stax has only ever had one caller. Yeah. We've only ever had one person call in. How is your mum? Uh, she's good. And it was my wife, actually. Oh, your wife. Yeah, yeah it, was, uh, it was my wife. But mum's good. Good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, um, nah, like that's what's going on. But, uh, yeah, look, we went out. It was, wasn't a bad night. No, it wasn't bad. But it was uh, It's just sad to see another one go. It's, it's such a beautiful venue down there, too. We'll actually play a Apple Bite song later. Yep. And a Killmeister song. I'm sure the boys won't mind us pumping their gear. No, not at all. It was and an Apple uh, Bites, uh single launch there, wasn't Apple it? Apple yeah. single launch. So we'll, we'll track down that single and we'll play uh, We'll play it later on. I can't even, Sorry, Justin, I can't even remember the name of the single off the top of my head right now. But uh, we will find it later and we'll make sure we play it here on Stacks. Now... Mate, we, uh, we've been having a great old chat. Today, I ran through uh, a little bit of a movie that we're writing. <laughs> uh, just to go into it a little bit, it's, uh, it's a movie that we're going to call The Riff. And you've, you've heard me speak about it, talking to Peter Ranzula. Well, today we've decided to cast Adam here as Keith in the, in the movie. And, mate, you're... Um, well, my acting chops are tremendous. I think you're built for the role. I'm I'm built for rolling, absolutely. <laughs> so so the problem with Keith is that he plays bass, um, and he's kind of a guy that sort of he, he's just a very nonchalant guy. He's kind of a bit of a mysterious package. Like Keith's a bit uh, nonplussed about things in life. He's sort of pretty chilled out. But Remember, he's, but he's got a problem, and, and what's that, Adam? He's uh, well, I was thinking of Mick, who used to play bass for us. That sort of uh, personality, but yeah, yeah, that kind of actually that's a good. We'll model it a little bit yeah. off, off Mick. Um, not 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 everything of Mick. We love you, Mick, but there's a few things we won't model on you. But yes, Keith is narcoleptic, <laughs> and uh, since sleeping is one of my favourite pastimes, uh, I think we're we're made for the role. So yeah, so uh, poor old Keith, he's got a problem with falling asleep at odd times. Uh, just just falls asleep, and the poor bloke, he, he uh, people take advantage of that. <laughs> he's turned <laughs> yes. up to a few gigs with uh, like a dick drawn on his forehead and things like that. So uh, there's going to be a Quite a funny role. I'm, so. I'm prepared to suffer for my art and craft. You know. But the movie's starting to flesh out. We're starting to get uh, scenes written and we're getting all that stuff done. So yep. it's uh, it's on our way. And just while we are talking, Pete Renzillo, a good friend of ours, the movie Anticipation is, mm. is in the in the final throes of of uh, filming and all that kind of stuff. And he hopes to get it out by, by at least December this year. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a cracker. It's going to be an absolute cracker. It's yep. a really good film. It's. He started off with something in mind and it's just grown into this monster and I actually like the twist and the turn that it's taking and I'm not going to give anything away because you've got to see it. Yeah. Uh, I don't, uh, the big spoiler alert. Um, well, actually, no, there's going to be no spoilers. So, yeah, just keep your ears to the ground for that one. Peter and Zillow is a dead set genius. He just won an award too for scoring another movie, didn't he? So he did. He uh, the de- uh, the decadent and depraved. Yes, or the depraved and decadent, or something like something that. Something like that's, that. Yeah. Uh, he and he's won some awards in America for that. So yep. good on you, Pete. Um, once Champion. again, another guy that's been on the podcast plenty. Good friend of ours here yep. at Stacks, and uh, is doing big things. And I I tell you what, he's going to be someone to watch in the next twenty years because. The guy is not going to be... Uh, he won't talk to us, Adam. No, well, I, I can't blame him. <laughs> He'll be like, who, who are you minions, sirs? <laughs> exactly How right. How dare but... you talk to us? But, uh, Pete, we, we know where you live, mate, so don't forget that. Uh, yeah. Yep, he lives in the sea cave. <laughs> so, um, now, I've got something interesting to share with you. Oh, it's good. I'm glad it's interesting. Uh, well, I think it's interesting. Uh, 
21. Do you remember your 21st birthday? Not much of it. No, well, neither do I. But 20... you, know, you know what I remember of my 21st birthday? Um, I had a beautiful girlfriend back then. Uh, her name was Sarah. She's a lovely girl. You've got a beautiful um, wife now too. Beautiful just, wife yes. now. Um, but no, but she was a great girl. Sarah yeah. was really good. And I was a complete bullfit. And I remember she went to all this lengths to, um, to get me a cake. And this beautiful cake, she arranged it for me and all that. And I was absolutely paro. And I remember the cake sort of, well, I don't remember. I kind of vaguely remember the cake being there and I've just put my hand in it <laughs> and just like picked it up or done something or just mushed it all over my face. And yep. uh, that was another, probably another little chip away as to why we're not together today. That, yeah. that could possibly do yeah. it. But that was a big night. I remember it was a very large night. Uh, yes, and uh, it's a rite of passage almost, isn't it? Westy Workers, actually. Good old Westy Workers Club. 21st. Yeah, 21 years ago. Yes. 1997. Yes, 1997. I had to double check. I saw on Foxtel today they were playing some one-hit wonders, etc. from that year. From 1997. Have a listen to how many songs are 21 now this year. Mbop by Hanson. Mbop. Is 21. Wow. Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. I get knocked down, but I get up again. That's the one. Yep. Oh, Danny boy. <laughs> Barbie Girl by Aqua. I'm a bar- Oh, really? Yeah. That's okay, Barbie, let's go party. 21. Um, Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. It's a bittersweet that's the one. symphony, that's right. Uh, Natalie in Bruglia was, no, was torn. Natalie, uh, I thought it was uh, I'm, I'm Uglier. <laughs> oh, she was quite attractive. She was, actually. Um, Didn't she used to get Denny Johns from uh, she did. Silverchair? Yeah. Yeah. It's... um. Bit of a weird match, but he's, he's, on him. I don't know if anyone remembers this, but Silverchair played with Pantera and Alison Chains and Suicidal Tendencies at Newcastle Workers Club, probably in about 1995, I'd say, yep. 94, 95. You're about right, yep. And Silverchair opened up for those bands. And I remember Denny Johns getting up and he goes, uh, it's it's okay to be gay or something like that. And then stage dived. And Newcastle's a bit of a blue collar place <laughs> yeah. full of hardened rugby league players. The Red Sea and departed. I remember, <laughs> well, basically the, the Red Sea departed and poor old uh, Danny John just, just sprawled out on the deck. Well, he just, like, just parted and let him just hit the deck. It's, it's a very, 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 uh, I won't say fond memory, but it was a very vivid memory from that, that concert. Probably was for him too. I actually met Lane Staley at that concert. I was pretty happy with that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, what a bloke. Yeah. Um, Deceivingly tall. He doesn't look tall in the film clips and stuff, but he's uh, he's about six foot, for six foot two, six foot three. Oh, I'd love to be that height. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sick of being a shorty. Uh, what else is there? Firestarter by The Prodigy. Oh, inhale, exhale. Yep. What's, uh, what's that word? Inhale, exhale. Is it adequazane? Something, yeah. Psychosomatic, adequazane or something. Yeah. Or something like that. Um, Men in Black by Will Smith. Which means the movies. Yeah. 21. Wow, 21 years ago. Um, uh, Around the World by Daft Punk. It's around got that the World. Amazing film world. clip. One of the greatest film around. clips. Is that the one where they're just going up the staircase? Yeah, yep. yep. it's brilliant. Um, uh, what else is there? Uh, uh, Gone Away by The Offspring. It's a great song. Song 2 by Blur. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. It's crazy. All these songs. There Goes My Hero. By Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters are 21, 21 this wow. year. So it's crazy how quickly time goes. 
It was actually a good era, like because I like the early nineties because I'm a major um, Seattle sort of yep. fan. Like I like the the music, and a lot of my music is influenced from that that period and around that time. Mm. But it's amazing, like ninety seven. It was a good good period of music, and I believe from memory and going back twenty one years ago, I think I was out on the training paddock the morning of our either semi final or grand final for rugby league. Mm which we lost that year. We lost uh, the 97 grand final, but won the 98 one. Um, and I believe I was on the paddock doing some ball work, running through ball work. And a mate of mine, Sean Callanan, goes, uh, oh, bullshit. And then he goes, what? He goes, did you hear Princess Diana died? Yep. And it was that day. That so was It would have been years 21 years around early, August. early September. It was August. It was the end of August. No, it would have been early September. I reckon it was the last day of August. Yeah, well, early September. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yep, no, but it's, and it's one of those, those moments. Everyone, you know, what were you doing when you heard that she died? And yeah. I, I was just sitting on the couch like I normally do. <laughs> so, but here's one, here's one to blow your mind. Kurt, Kurt will be dead 25 no, years next year. Nothing ever changes. No, it doesn't. I've, I've um, Homer Simpson my way through life. Yeah. Oh, no, well, I, I don't play footy anymore. Kurt Cobain, 25 years next year. Really? Yep. 25 years. Next what do year. you think happened there? Well, well, I love a good conspiracy theory. Well, I, I, so do I. What was he singing when he said he doesn't have a gun? Well... He's obviously he's disappointed. He, he obviously did have one. Yeah, and I, I don't like people lying he in song. Sw- he swore that he don't have a gun. Yep, people lie in song all the time, and it's just, I'm not having it. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I, I like this theory about Courtney being involved. and. Uh, well, there's a great documentary, uh, home, home listeners, Stax fans, mm-hmm. all three of you. Um, g'day, <laughs> individually. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Uh, actually, a bit of a shout out to to. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to that in a minute. But um, what are we talking about? Kurt. Kurt. Dead. He. Uh, there's a good documentary out called Soaked in Bleach. Yep. I've, uh, I'm pretty sure I've seen that one too. That's the one that goes into the theory that maybe Courtney had a bit to do with everything. Yep. And I, I you know, it's possible, but I think her brain was so fried back then. I don't know if she could string. A coherent sentence together, let alone come up with a cunning plan. But who knows? Well, yeah. I think, uh, yeah. What happened was they talked about, and actually I talked uh, to Phil mm. from Kilmeister. Uh, we were in the green room the other night at that gig, and actually this this is the conversation that came up. And he was sort of saying that uh, he they, they took the um, either the family doctor, went with... Courtney to a hotel room somewhere while she was doing rehab and left Kurt all alone. And she sort of, he I, th- I don't know if he was insinuating or this is what was insinuated that she didn't care if Kurt was alone and didn't care what happened mm. and had a feeling that he may have done something because he was, but he apparently escaped rehab went home and was that down because he couldn't get on. Yeah. And she cancelled all his credit cards and all his money. He couldn't access any cash to buy gear. Mm. So he was strung out and I think he yep. just went, oh, fuck it. Bang. Um, so Yeah, that's quite that, possible. That's kind of what come up in that conversation. So very interesting. It was a bizarre period of time too because we go back to... 90s. How bizarre, how bizarre. <laughs> 21 exactly, years. 21 years, exactly. Yeah, how bizarre. But we go back to 97 and we lose Hutchins as well. Was that in 97 97 as well? 97 as well. 
Yeah. So all these in, in, you know, incredible musicians we lost in the 90s. Um, you know, starting in 91 with Freddie Mercury. And, and, you know, the 90s was a horrible era. Well, we're going to keep losing them, mate. There's like, I know, well, this last year was a bad one. We lost quite a lot. But yeah, we did. That's The thing with music is, is that we don't particularly, when you record something, like, say, for let's go back to Led Zeppelin. Mm. When Led Zeppelin records something, it's frozen in time. So then we don't feel like it ages. Yeah, you're right. You know? I, the, only, um, the only musician we can actually say we've watched age because of the physical appearance and the physical degradation of this man would be Keith Richards. Or Willie Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> Keith Keith is just a walking corpse, so <laughs> I don't know what's animating him but I think yeah. I think uh I think uh, cannabis resins is holding <laughs> Willie yeah. Nelson together. <laughs> well, it's quite possible it's uh preserved the outside. He's um Absolutely delicious. That wasn't a bad drop. It's a nice drop. I'd like to reach over and get it, but I'm too busy talking. So oh, careful, I'll drink it. Oh, well, I'll just reach over. You can take it for a sec while I grab my drink. Or chew your ice. While he's uh, getting a drink, I just want to talk about John Denver and what was the last thing or the last song he ever sang. Sang, and I don't know if you know, but John Denver actually had a light aircraft that he ploughed into the side of a mountain. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure the last thing he said That was, was 97 as well. That was in 97 as well, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I remember think... people saying there were a bunch of paparazzi following him <laughs> hang gliders. Yeah, <laughs> I think the last song he ever sang was, Oh my God, that Rocky Mountain's high. <laughs> well, I thought it was, You filled up my Cessna <laughs> when I crashed in the water. We're, um, we're brutal. Brutal. But, uh, yeah, fascinating fascinating time of how music has changed in, in 21 years um, it's I won't say I sound like an old, I won't say it's like got, an old man I won't say it's got worse it's kind of it's kind of revolving in circles but the artists change so yeah. therefore the flavour changes but hip hop sort of back in then it goes in then rocks in again and mm. you know there was only like two years ago that all the young kids were getting back into things like uh, Guns N' Roses yeah ACDC. That's uh, as a as a dad of a young girl myself, and and you know, uh, it's important I think to uh, educate our kids on good music. So, you know, I I find my daughter now, uh, even with her phone, listening to Iron Maiden and has Queen backdrops on her phone and stuff. So, a proud dad moment. That so, my what we need to incorporate is um, like good message, like redo the songs of of that era but incorporate messages which mean things today, like, don't take them pills or you will die. Uh, yeah, and that would be, a, would be a good message for today. Too. <laughs> don't take them pills. I'm actually in a uh, Iron Maiden tribute band as well, as you, as you know, know, and I have a Dealer blast with that. Dealer Kane pulled out the bag. He's 41. But looks real bad. He took the pill. His face has changed. His hair's like wire. His brain's deranged. Yeah. Don't take the pills. See, we could, you know, as we were talking about today, uh, about trying to start a new band, doing, uh, messing around with songs that relate to our our physique. You know, we could do things like that. Which is uh, 
Adonis like. Yeah. You know, yeah, don't you call me pudgy, portly or stout. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, people sort of say to me, uh, oh, I say, like, uh, did you realise I've got a, uh, I'm like a Greek Adonis statue? And uh, people go, oh, really? And I go, yeah, well, they had to start somewhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Before they started chiseling away. <laughs> yeah, no, I tell my wife I'll never have the body of a Greek god, no matter how many burnt offerings she presents at the dinner table either. So. What, was that, what was that tea towel that you showed me today? Was it, oh, oh, I like romantic, long, long romantic, romantic walks, walks to the fridge. To the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, we're looking for a guitarist, aren't we? We are looking for a guitarist. We're looking for a large male. Um, preferably over 100 kilos. Um, a large male who is flamboyant was my request. Yeah, a Jack Black type. Jack Black type guitarist. Yep. Possibly can do a bit of vocals. Yep. Uh, that wants to, and the whole concept of us is that we're both units. And we want to, we, the idea is that um, we want people to come in and watch us play, you know, and then we've got like, like eight, we, we want larger people to come and watch us. Yes. You know, so a venue is going to go, dude, like, couldn't believe it. Like, the room was packed Except, and the, tonight. When, when the place is shaking, yeah. it's literally shaking. But the the club owners and that come up, just, dudes, the place was packed. Yeah, and we go, yeah, people. I know. It's just like, yeah, there was, there was only eight people, but we couldn't fit anyone else in, you know. <laughs> that's, that's our target audience. That's our target audience. They're our people. They're our people. Yeah, so we need a guitarist. Yeah, so we need a guitarist. If you think you're that guy or that girl, yeah, preferably a guy. Yeah, um, we can't be sexist. We can't be, we, but I'd quite prefer a guy. Uh, we can't be sexist. Sex, we've got no room for sexism in this day and age. But if you're a guy, fucking please apply. If you're a girl, you don't have to worry about it. It's all right. Um, <laughs> no room for being sexist, please. If you're a guy, definitely apply. So, uh, no, nah, it's got to be a guy because we're going to be, we are going to be a little bit um, uh, provocative, uh, blokey. Yeah, uh, blokey. Yeah, we we uh, are all getting changed in a phone booth, so <laughs> one hell probably phone. best if it is a, a guy. And lycra is going to be the choice of clothing. Um. Yep. So make sure you you lock your wives and mothers up. Yeah. Yeah. Lock up your daughters. Going to be something to behold. Yep. Or tape up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wonder if I make girdles in my size. We could do anything with gaffer. Hey, gaffer tape can do anything. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Yeah, we look, I'm looking forward to that. We do songs like all about uh, like food. Yep. <laughs> so, and if they're not about food, we'll, we'll make them about food. Yep. So, obviously, we'll cover Eat It. Yep. But, you know, we'll, we'll mess up some songs too and, and you know, do some popular hits and just change a few words around to make them food related yeah I went and bought another bagel and bought myself a pie <laughs> yes learning to fry yep. yeah. yeah learning to fry yeah. yep you've got it um, yeah so it'll be quite funny I'm, I'm looking forward to it so if you are a guitarist and you're over 100 kilos you're portly and you're a flamboyant guy 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 bloke <clears throat> yeah just preferably because we want to appeal to the ladies. Well, you know, we need to use any because, weapons in well, <laughs> yeah, our, our band is, a lot. Our band is going to be all about sex appeal. Well, yeah, yep. yeah. Because I will appeal for any sex I can get. Did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you, I didn't realise, but when I was younger, uh, I was bisexual. Because uh, I always had to pay for sex. So, yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You won't try sexual. 
Well, yeah, I yep. try try a yep. bit of sex as well yep. occasionally. Yep. Try yeah. anything. Yep. Yeah. Um, I had sex once when I was young. Uh, I think. You think? Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, good on you. I mean, it's like it gets you get to a point where you get married and you, know, you ask your wife for sex and she's at least she's polite enough to leave the room. You know, then when you when you have it and that's about the the best you can ask for now. So. I remember once I got asked, "Would you have sex with me?" I said, "I'll give it a shot." Mm. Uh, ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. There's a cat walking through your camera. Oh. Uh, yeah, he's um, he's uh, he hangs out in the bush. He's a bush cat. Bush cat. Yeah, he comes out each day looking for uh, ratatouille. It was actually on Fox the other day too. Another very good movie. Actually, we're talking about today some of the great. Films that we love. Yep. And we got down the Adam Sandler path, didn't we? Like, <laughs> Which is hard, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Waterboy. Water yeah, love the Waterboy. So let's go through a few of the films that really appeals to us uh, lately. So if you're looking for a good film on Netflix, we'll, we'll cover a couple on uh, on here that's on Netflix. Yep. One of them in particular yep. is The Ridiculous Six. That was hilarious. It's a good old western. The Ridiculous Six, um, basically what it's about is is Adam Sandler plays an Indian character. He uh, is brought up by Indians, but his father was an old uh, bank robber. Pro- yeah, crim- criminal, criminal bank, bank yeah. robber sort of dude, played by Nick Nolte. Yes, who suits the role perfectly. perfectly. <laughs> and basically what he does is he comes in and he sees his son and he makes out as if he's being kidnapped by bandits. And the only way that Adam Sandler's character can save his dad is to come up with $50,000 because he says, oh, he buried it near a singing windmill. Yes. Which is all baloney. <laughs> and then, so he comes up, he goes out, starts robbing banks to get the money to, to rescue his dad. And and on that journey, he discovers that he's got five brothers. <laughs> five brothers on the way. One of them actually is uh, Black. Play. Yes. I love that guy. I'm trying to think of his name. Um, the the guy. He used to be an NFL player. Yeah. Um, Terry Crews. Terry Crews. And he's he's in White Chicks. If anyone's seen the movie White Chicks, he's the the big unit that falls in love with one of the Wines brothers. Like he, he's also in uh, the Expendables and things. Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So and he's actually off. I don't know if it's an Energizer ad. Oh no, Old Spice. He used to do. The old spice, yes, the old spice guy, in, but in, it, the, in the United States, yeah. But in typical America, uh, in Adam Sandler form, he's got Rob Schneider as the the Mexican uh, brother. So yeah, so yeah. Rob Schneider plays. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I don't even know his name in it, but yeah. he, he plays a Mexican. Yes, and uh, he loves his burro. Burro is his donkey, and he has a very, very deep, large voice. But it is very interesting because we all know that Robbie is only. Four foot one. Yeah, he he gets a lot of stick, but I I love Rob Schneider. Oh, I think he's I think I love him. Yeah, I um. You can do it. He, he's perfect for that, but also when he played um, just gone blank. Um, the male Juice Bigelow. Yes, is an absolute perler of a movie. He, yeah, he, he plays it so well and deadpans it brilliantly. So. <laughs> uh, I love him in that movie where he goes to prison. There's a big stand. Big, big stand. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious, but we yeah we got we're talking about talking about those two. We talked about Road Ups, which another movie that gets panned, but I thought was fantastic. And I think I've come to a point now where if I see a review of a movie that I want to see and it's a low scoring movie, I'm going to go see it because I'm pretty sure it's going to be good. 
So, um, yep, the lower the rating, probably the better movie it is. I find that um, I find the same. Everyone knocked the last Star Wars. I thought it was great. Mm. I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, for a movie, it was enjoyable, but they did lay on some of that stuff a bit thick. Yeah, I still think it's better than like anything's better than Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> really? Um, we have this some debate about that now too, considering the last movie. But we did go see Ant Man and the Wasp the other day, and that was a cracker. Ant Man. Yeah, and that was really Paul good. Rudd. Paul Rudd. Yeah, he's right. And we're talking about some movies that he's in as well. So yes, I'll be talking about Anchorman and uh, the Forty Year Old Virgin. How good is Anchorman? Oh, it's. An old time, isn't I, it? I wish I had a mate like Brick Tamlin. He he absolutely makes that movie, Steve Carell. <laughs> he he is the funniest character in the whole movie. And yeah. Look, I I love Will Ferrell. Um, I know it's you know, not very highbrow of me to love him, but yeah. uh, Steve Carell just kills that movie. He's hilarious. Uh, I, I yeah. I, I don't know who who's Champs. What what's his name? I, he's in a the lot of days. Dave. Kushner or something or right uh, he's in a lot of stuff but he's uh he's he, he he's not a bad he's someone that you warm to in a movie as well yeah he is um and, and something like that with, him, with him it's subtle I know he's over the top with his character but the way he dresses and his hair yes the fact that he just sports that bald head like he does grows the hair out and looks which looks yeah it looks what, like a 50 year old store clerk doesn't he <laughs> <Just a> stalker <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, so it's um it's pretty wild to sort of sort of see that, but man, that's a good movie. And like, I don't know, I love that. I guess I would just say it's cheap humor. Like we talked about what was the other one? Um, uh, the the college one where uh, old school, old school. Yeah, great. Tank the fun Frank movie. the tank. Yeah. I'm streaking. Yeah. You're my boy Come Blue. <laughs> Is that the movie you're in? Yeah, my yeah. My boy Blue. Yeah. Uh, see, that's. Oh, I, yeah. I lost it when you'd say you're my boy Blue. Yeah, halfway through. Uh, yeah. Didn't Blue die in the movie? He did die in the movie. Yeah. Yes. It's uh, he uh, Will Ferrell's character starts singing "Dust in the Wind" by Kansas really badly. Yeah, spoiler alert, uh, but fuck it. Yeah. Like, these movies have been <laughs> out for like twenty five. Yeah, if you years. haven't seen it, then they've been out since nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. Um, Funky Calmadine. Pretty much. Uh, was that out in 97? Funky Cole Medina, was it earlier? That was earlier. That was late 80s, I reckon. Awesome. Tone, Tone Loke. Tone Loke. I had that on cassette. I'd have made Dougie Bun. He absolutely loved Tone Loke. Yeah. I had on cassette and I was I was jiggly with it. So Jiggly with it? <laughs> Getting jiggly with it. Yeah, oh, still do. Um, wow, gee. I haven't thought of him in years. He was in Ace Ventura. Yes. He's had a, I always thought um, in Madagascar. I now know it's Cedric the Entertainer that plays yeah. the character. Yeah. But he sounds so much like Tone Loke. Yep. And again, one of the great benefits of having kids, you can watch movies like Madagascar and, and they're great movies. And not feel like you're... Uh, yeah, weird. Weird, yeah. 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 I watched The Emperor's New Groove again the other day. I've watched uh, Wiggles a lot. Uh, yeah, that's that's part of the growing process. Who's the girl with the bow in her hair? Well, so that's not right. It's the original Wiggles or nothing. Come so. on, put your hands on the air. But I'm a purist. E-M-M-A. My niece Emma. is obsessed with Emma. And, no, bring back Jeff and... what Jeff Fat. Jeff Fat. That's yeah. a name, isn't it? Oh, it's great. The Cockroaches. Yeah. Was it? yeah. Hey, let's go, let's, let's go. go. Let's go. Hey, let's go, let's she's go. The she's, she's the, the one. one. She's the one. She's the one. Like, the problem was they were all singing, she's the one. Yes. So it must have been a shit fight between them to see who got her. 
Well, As you probably wouldn't like any of them anyway, because they're all dorks. Well, yeah, man, you wear purple, you wear blue, <laughs> you wear red, so... I mean, who's going to date a guy with skinny? That walks around sort of wiggling his fingers at everyone. Your logic is faultless, actually. Yeah. No one will. Yeah. Oh, the wiggles. Oh, the wiggles. So, Adam, uh, there's been some radical things going on in the world of late. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> Sudden stop and left sudden, turn. Sudden left turn. Yeah, we're not even going to ease into this. We're, no, well, I'm not going to... Well, I'm just talking about sudden things. Like those boys in Thailand have gone down a cave and they've been stuck in there. We've got the World Cup going on for soccer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't yeah. know anything about it. No, I, well, soccer's a game. They kick this yeah, round well, ball. They kick the ball for I, 90 minutes. I don't know if they do that because every time I look at it, there's just blokes rolling around on the oh, ground. How bad is it? It's shocking. How bad... <laughs> That there was a thing on the internet the other day that had like people doing the Myanmar and there was like fifty kids on a football park <laughs> dribbling around and <laughs> yes. then someone yelled out Myanmar and they yep. all just went down on the ground not rolling around holding their knees and holding their arms it's, and holding their neck. And it's ridiculous that a sport can pay people the amount of money it does, and most of the I don't want to say most of it, but a lot of it is predicated on how well you can act. Yeah. Did you see the Colombian? Oh, you didn't really watch it, but the Colombian game versus England, the Colombians were just doing that. Like just every time they get bumped, they're on the ground. Ah, I mean, yeah. you think there was someone with a, like a rifle in the in the crowd? Yeah, well, that's, yeah, sniper <laughs> positions all around. But I wouldn't want to be a Colombian soccer player though. I remember, I think it was the '94 World Cup. There was a a game, and the Colombian uh, player scored an own goal by mistake, and went back home and got uh, summarily murdered. Do you, know what his, do you know what his surname was? It was Escobar. It was Escobar, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, I wonder if it was any familiar... He was no relation to El Pablo. <laughs> yes. But uh, he, yeah, basically went home and he was, uh, yeah, found... It was three months later. Mm. Shot dead. Well, I mean, it's, it's one way, I suppose, to get your team to, you know, to be accountable in defence, but... Well, maybe they need to do that to the Australian team. Maybe they need to go, right, if no, you no. guys don't lift your game... <laughs> Pine box for years, aren't you? Australian soccer team is a joke, and it has been for years. So, fuck off, you bitch, the scorer. <laughs> yes, uh, that's the best thing about Australian soccer I've ever heard. Thank you, uh, Mr. Billy Birmingham. Mm. Uh, dig a ditch onto the wicker witch, onto the Australian substitute Smith. I hope I pronounced that correctly. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. can't ski. Yes, he did ski. Goal ski. Goal ski. Yeah, it's pretty good. What about um? Some other things going on, mate. What are you? What's what's caught your eye of late? What's caught my eye? Yeah, I know we had a good discussion in the car. Where were we coming home from a gig? Coming home from practice, I reckon, or rehearsal. It was a rehearsal. We yeah. started. We got very. Did we got balls we got deep? Deep. In, yeah. Into um, one of my favourite subjects, which is, oh, that's right, because we wrote a song. We did write a song. Yes, we wrote a song, and the song is called Cradle. Cradle, and it's about. It's a pretty awesome song too. It's pretty awesome. I can't do a deeper voice. It's a pretty awesome song. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's good. It's a good song. It's okay. <laughs> but it's, no, it's about... Um, we're talking about Gebekli Tepe in Turkey. Mm. Uh, now, for the listeners, if you have never heard of Gebekli Tepe, it is a... Um, it's a, it's a site, an archaeological... Uh, archaeological... Uh, can't even say it. How much have you had to drink? Uh, not much. Uh, archaeological... Yes. Archaeological, archaeological. It's a thing. It's a. Th- it's, it's a, a site. It's a dig place. It's a hole in the. De- <laughs> Look, Dad, I dug a hole, <laughs> and I found this rock. 
and look, found a rock, Dad, dug a hole. Um, it's just, yeah, it's this archaeological site over in uh, Turkey. In Turkey, yeah. Uh, they say about 12,000 years old. Now, they yep. talk about the pyramids and they reckon they're about four to 5,000 mm-hmm. years old. Adam, I don't believe for a second that we, our current race of humans, built the pyramids. I think the pyramids have been here for, I'm going to say, 60,000 years, 70,000 years. Okay. Yep. And um, and then you, you actually, now, a lot of people don't know this, but you've studied religious texts. I'm, I'm a the, I, yeah, I, I study theology. Um, theology, I'm actually, yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't know, but I am actually an ordained minister as well, which is hilarious if you to look at me because I look nothing like what you'd expect an ordained minister to look like. But who, yes, I have studied a lot of theology. Who was that wrestler that I reckon you look like? Was it wasn't Hacksaw Jim? King D- Kong Bundy? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> the um, hillbilly Jim. Hillbilly Jim. Or Uncle Elmer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not Uncle Elmer. But... <laughs> We're going back now, so. But. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and but you, we had this good discussion because I've got these these theories that I I, I, I go really deep down the rabbit hole yeah. of, of civilizations and all that kind of thing. Um, and people on the podcast that are regular listeners will go, here we go again. again. Yep. Here we go again. But the difference today, if we can go down that rabbit hole again, is that we're gonna hear from you who look at. And I'm going to say it now. There's been people that I talk about that are blind religiously, but mm. they don't know. They never combine things like uh, um, theology, mm. fa- uh, scientific mm. production, yep. and religious artifacts and religious facts and stuff like that. Yep. And then look at it from a very subjective point of view. Yeah, and you know, and one one of the first challenges that you you have as a I guess as a religious person, is that people automatically assume that you're, you're stupid. And, yeah, I've sort of said and done a lot of stupid things in my life. But there's a blanket dismissal of anybody that's, that has an interest in uh, studying theology as well as uh, other things because there's a general consensus in society that uh, it's old, it's outdated, and you're not educated enough to get into the real world if you uh, follow or study or believe anything in that regard. Whereas I say, well, absolutely, there is no reason that science and historical texts can't work together. Uh, in fact, oftentimes they support each other uh, quite profoundly too. So, well, I remember I talked rabbit about... Rabbit holes, let's I, go. Well, I, I talked about... Yeah, let's go. I, I had talked about the, the Old Testament hmm. and the fact that the Old Testament is different I think the New Testament is kind of a little bit more uh, taken up by, you know, like getting more down to Jesus Christ and then what happened afterwards and then as the, the you know, the Son of God and then kind of really heavily heads down that path where I think the Old Testament, which um, is actually not looked upon fondly by some religions... Um, is more of a, a history of. It's a history of the Israeli, the Israeli, the Jewish people. Well, the Samar, no, the Mesopotamians actually became with, with the original people that lived in the area, which is now known as uh, as Jerusalem and all those that area. You know that. Yeah, but if you look at the the Old Testament, really, and this is 
um, this is where having an understanding of theology is good because there's um, you've got to look at the, the Old Testament particularly as a set of, of yeah, scenes in one unified story. Okay, and a lot of people, the first thing is they'll go to the early chapters of Genesis and say this, 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 this and this and this isn't congruent with science and fact and whatever. But we need to realise that these books, especially the first 11 chapters of Genesis, was, were ancient stories for the people that wrote the Old Testament. That's right. So, you know, it's not so just when, a simple we, thing of going, when we're going back in order. To, when we're going back that far, I mean, some of the earliest ever recordings of theology was involving a story around Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh, yeah. So that was very early. And, and basically the story was Gilgamesh was this... Well, you tell the story. Like, Gilgamesh was a... Was he... Oh, it's, it's, it's Babylonian... Um, Babylonian... Um, Mesopotamian history. Yeah. About the flood narrative. So there's heroes and there's gods and there's villains. And it's a, it's a wonderful story. And a lot of people say, well, you know, Genesis just copied... Gilgamesh and change it a bit to make it a bit more palatable for monotheistic religious people. But um, they t the two very well work close in hand. And it's funny that a lot of places around the world, a lot of ancient cultures have all got a very similar Story. flood narrative. Yeah, yeah. Which makes, you know... But that, that takes me back to my theory of the floods came. Mm. I'm not... 100% sure as to what I would say caused it. Mm. Um, I've heard asteroidal impact yep. um, causing the Earth's crater, uh, mm. the Earth's atmosphere to cloud up with dust and debris and they all suddenly rapidly warm the Earth, melting yep. the glaciers, which then causes massive flooding very, very rapidly. Mm -hmm. um, the other was the... It was like a, a major volcanic mm -hmm. eruption which and then subsequent landslide which causes mega tsunamis yep and we're talking huge you know we're not yep. talking four or five meter tsunamis which we saw in japan um and on the boxing day one in 2011 we're talking oh yeah we're talking massive 70 80 90 meter hmm. so I don't know if you if you can imagine standing a football field up on its end yeah, and, and having that much water rushing towards the coast. Now, I, it doesn't seem a lot. No, it's but the, the power thing, behind it. It's that. the power behind it and it's the, the gradual just take, yep. the take of the land. So that caused a lot of... And, and there's a guy called, and I've said it before on the podcast, Randall Carlson, who is a great um, geologist and, mm. he, and he goes out and, he can, and he's also a good builder. And, and he's a very smart man, a very astute man, and he looks at a lot of this and goes, well, this cause, the reason these rocks are in this place is because of the masses amount of water have yep. travelled through. The other theory is that the the glaciers have melted, mm. but the face of the glaciers remained frozen to the point where they couldn't sustain or hold up the water behind it, and all of a sudden there was a massive release of water. Mm -hmm. This happened in the north, or north of America. And huge amounts of water were, were released then. Yeah. So let's go back twelve thousand years. Which this this is when they think all this happened eleven yep. twelve thousand years ago. And there is enough evidence for a, a worldwide catastrophic flood. That's around, right. If you That's want, right. if you want to look for it, yeah, exactly. It's undeniable. Yeah. Now, uh, but this is the thing that I brought up. Sorry, to, sorry to interject for no, a second. No, no, no. Go ahead. Was that if the human race was thriving at that point, and all of a sudden. 
of human life or the human species at that point of time, which may have included a, a different type of race to us, um, mm. was suddenly wiped out. Who is going to survive? If they, there's the, the caves in Petra and the cave systems around some other places like that, mm. that um, in Jordan. So the, things like, I, I think it's a, a multitude of cataclysmic events. Mm. Flooding's one. Solar flare is a possible another one, mm. um, which would release huge amounts of radiation. Yep. I think we had a whole series of things that happened in a very short space of time, yep. which, which pretty much were wiped out an old civilization. But the Old Testament is the only surviving recorded information, but it's not recorded information from that period. Yes, right. But it, it is transcript yep. dating back to that period. If, if, okay, well, there's, there's a couple of things here. So what we first need to understand with the Old Testament is that, yes, it's scenes in a one unified story. And a unified story is basically God makes man, man stuffs up, and man is forever trying to get back to God. And every time God says, I'll forgive you, they go, great, thank you very much. And then they stuff up again. They get in trouble. They ask for forgiveness. They receive it. They say thank you. And it's a, it's a unified story. Um, now, having said that, uh, you need to understand what you're reading with the Old Testament. There's a lot of narrative. There's a lot of poetry. Uh, there's a lot of prose. There's a lot of all these wonderful well, it's basically a, it's, it's like another version of the Viking saga. It's a bit of a different talking different time and place. Yeah, but the actual fact the uh, the Old Testament, the Genesis account specifically, yeah, gives us an interesting insight to what might have happened too, because it speaks of the world before the flood as being a place with no rain. It was a place where it was a fine mist that watered everything, and uh, as but something the, could happened, that be localized to an area? I mean, like for example. Scotland has got a continual mist in the Highlands <laughs> at yep. times. Yep. So would that be would that attribute to just a, a local aspect of a certain area? Uh, well, who's to say? What we do know, <laughs> well, what we can ascertain, I should say, is that something happened pretty drastic. And I've heard people say that yes, there was earthquakes. Yes, there was asteroids. Uh, the Earth's axis tilted. Yep. Is another one I've heard. It was. Um, uh, straight up and down, now we're at 23 degrees or whatever. But what that did is it caused such a, a problem that it, the, the atmosphere discharged all this water, the earth ruptured, and we, we see in the, in, the, in the accounts that the waters will come up from under the ground too. Yep. So you have a multitude of water up from top, a multitude from underneath, which creates fractures, which creates, as you know, earthquakes and tsunamis and everything. So, again, there's everything that's there that we, we can see, and this is the problem, you're never always going to get the whole answer that you want. No. It's very consistent with geology and very consistent with uh, scientific theory as it is. Yep. Um, I, I kind of like the idea of a mist watering everything and keeping everything nice uh, until something drastic happens. So would the religious... So let's go back to that period of time. Is there a religious... Um, notion of God created. Uh, because in the in the in the New Testament, it starts out. 
God created the earth in seven days. Um, now let, the, the old, uh, you know, let there be light. Yeah, the Old Testament, that's the first God part created. of Genesis. And there are two different creation accounts there, and they focus... Um, you, you make films, and this movie is going to be a cracker that you're working on. Um, well, I was in Stitches today with some of the stuff where you were reading to me about your, your stuff. But you imagine at first an overview, and then you have a, a medial view. So you get a bit closer, and then a, a micro view. Uh, and that's how the Genesis account works. So you have an overview, then you have a bit more of a focus view. Um, so there are different uh, creation accounts. But uh, yes, the notion is that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, where did he come from? We're never given an answer. Where did he go? Or where did he come from? Exactly. Copperai Joe. <laughs> yes. How old's that one? That might be a... I'll just say Copperai. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you meant, though. <laughs> um, you know, so we're never given that answer. Um, you know, I I have a bit of a childlike belief that if, if somebody, or if there is a being who's divine, uh, then to be created takes away some aspect of divinity. A, a God by its very nature should be eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing. All so we go through the early Genesis story of... This is you know, how it was made. This is what happened. And people were created and they were meant to be in relationship with God. Uh, disobeyed, did the wrong thing and fractured that relationship. And then we get to Genesis 4 and we learn that people, and this, and this is interesting for you. So early in the book, we read that people were, were forging iron and had foundries and all sorts of stuff so early mm. in the piece. Um, but how far are we how far are we looking back from today? Like, is when when what whereabouts on the timeline is this forging going on? Well, this is this is the question. Uh, so that's the thing because I I believe it was before yeah. what we call the Iron Age yep. and the Copper Age, absolutely, and, the, and well, the Bronze there's Age. There's enough artifacts and relics around to make you just question everything. But that's right. And I encourage that. Mach I, machinery parts, they're finding, yeah, you know. The Antikythera mechanism and all that sort right. of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely uh, not only encourage, I, I almost demand people question everything. Um, rabbit holes are great to go down. And if, um, you know, for people who aren't religious or people who are, even people who are religious, there's been a notion always that you can't question what you're being taught. And the only way you're ever going to know something is to ask questions. So it's ridiculous to just accept blindly what you're being told. You must ask. You but must it goes find on. out. You must read. Of course it goes on because people are, you know, are told and believe they shouldn't ask. But um, yes, I digress. So when we're talking, well, depending who you speak to, you know, if we're talking on a biblical timeline, possibly 10,000 years. Yeah. So early on after that. So, so my question is, who was around before the 12,000 years? Well, first we've got to make sure that that's 12,000 years is accurate. Yeah. Um, you know, so if we... Just so we work on that, or we're 10 to 12,000 years. So we're all in the same ballpark. Okay, so who was around? Yeah. Good question. Are we talking scientifically? Are we talking uh, spiritually and uh, theologically? Well, spiritually, yeah. kind of is cancelled out a little bit because there are physical remains, mm -hmm. um, which, when you say spiritually, they're not 
a, a bodied entity. They're a, they're a, am I right by saying that? Well, here's the thing, and this is one of the great sticking points in the early chapters of Genesis, that we hear these tales of the supposed sons of God that came down to earth and procreated with earth women and uh, created a, a, a beings known as the uh, Nephilim and all these wondrous things and and um, you know, armies of giants and things. And we, we find these skeletal remains of, of giants and, and weird things. So... Again, we've got to look at Genesis first, those early chapters as there's a lot of poetry, there's a lot of metaphor, there's a lot of um, uh, describing of how as such, or, or what happened, but not you know, the minutiae of, of how it happened. So we always got to look at that through that lens. So questions sometimes don't get answered that we, we'd like, and you know, I'd, I'd love to know all the answers. Well, wouldn't it be good just to be able to pop back and have a look it'd be fantastic so here's the thing though like the, I mean it it's such a short period of time when you look at they say dinosaurs like we're talking millions of years when they were around you yeah. know what I mean like and then it was there could have been four or five different life forms that just aren't around today I mean we could have got things wrong like we could be looking at bone structures of certain things and not realise that they actually had higher intelligence than what we're giving them credit for, you well, know. Anything's possible. I mean, I, I've i said this before and I've said this to you that there, there's often a, a belief, it would seem to me, that um, ancient or old means ill-advanced or not smart. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think we give enough credit to people who lived 5, 10, 15,000 years ago. Um who, yeah, okay, so they didn't build, you know, wonderful skyscrapers and things like that, but they and weren't dumb. They didn't have the internet, or did they? <laughs> well, there we go. But they, they weren't just, dumb. But when you look at, let's go to Cairo, for mm. example, which is probably one of the ancient megastructures that is very, right right under our nose. Yeah. Um, they talk about it being burial sort of mounds, basically, for pharaohs. For pharaohs. Yeah. I call bullshit on that. But then if you have a look... And this was something I watched um, on a YouTube thing, which I know we can go down, you can almost go flat earth in three clicks, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? It's yeah. crazy. But when you looked at it, they showed, they put a comparison, which I looked at, and to me it just jumped out and went, wow. Um, and did I show you that um, superconductor things with the magnets, the way it was holding... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I showed you how the superconductors work? Yeah. Okay, so I believe that technology was in use back then. They were they, they understood superconductors. They, they And they brought up something which I love. And sound, sound is a power source, a very powerful power source. And resonation can be um, very powerful. And used in the right way can actually do some amazing things. Um, superconductors resonate, uh, sound resonation. And he he also pointed out that the earth has this sound. There's a sound in the earth. And that there's no such thing as gravity. That it's all magnetic field. And he said gra gravity as we look at it, like everything's being pulled to the centre of the earth. 
isn't the case, but there's a magnetic field which we are part of, which pulls us to the earth. Now, that is a source of power which he, they believe the ancient people could tap into and they could do amazing things. Like they had ways of just cutting through stone and, and doing things that we just don't understand today. Yeah. We rely on, which must seem so primitive to ancient people, we rely on mechanical machinery to do all our stuff, which is basically controlled explosions, power, um, force. Yep. You know, by forcing things where they used a completely different technique, which has been proven to be, can be done. Yeah, and nothing would surprise me. You look at some of those ancient structures and you can't even fit, you know, a, a playing card between the bricks, but they're so well made. They're so accurately made. They're so incredibly designed that you have to look and go, there were some really brilliant, brilliant people that we still haven't got an understanding of. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I heard a theory along that line that we talked about the earthquake and earthquakes before, and you talked about how the water came up through the surface. Well, that's called liquefaction. And liquefaction um, can take hard things like stone. And this is the theory, is that through resonance and through sound, you can get all those particles just loosening up, turning into basically like a, a, a liquid, and then when the sound stops, it firms up again. Oh, it's it a crazy theory. It's a crazy theory. It's an incredible theory. And but it's know, not, I wish, it's I, not wish I knew. No, no, it's not it's impossible. Not impossible. But have, no. you, have you ever put a sander, like an orbital sander, on a bit of timber and seen what it does to the, to the, the, the dust that's on it? Oh, yeah, yeah. And it creates shape. And, and you get to things like the Fibonacci sequence and all that kind of stuff. This is getting back to sound. Mm. Those vibrations from a sander is what the same vibrations as to what the sound is that's happening all through. All you have to do is look at somebody who can sing high enough and they can break glass. Once again, that's the power of sound. Now, flowers have got this perfect structure. You know, the centre and they've got these beautiful flowers that come off it and they're to the micromillimetre, same length, same. And it's not... They haven't got a brain saying that we need to stop growing there. We're less perfect in a lot of ways as humans than a flower will ever be. So just take a sunflower, for example, or a daisy. Um, they have got, if you put that vi- a certain vibration down, the sander on the timber, and it, lay, it almost draws those flowers. Mm. So what's to say that as it grows, it's picking up the sound and it's creating those shapes. Well, it's, it's quite possible. And this is the beauty of, of, of nature that you know, we, we don't sometimes see that it's very mathematical. Nature is full of maths. And you talked about the Fibonacci, and I wanted to jump on that because I believe if you ever want a proof of an intelligent designer, that golden ratio, that 1.618, is prevalent everywhere in nature. It's almost like a fingerprint of a creator. Even our navels average 1. 1.6, 1.16, whatever it is, of, of our body. Um, you know, everywhere you look, that golden spiral, that golden ratio, that golden rectangle that's prevalent in your sunflowers, it's prevalent reckon in your old, waves. They reckon, you, they reckon your old fellas from the base of your palm to the top of your finger, is that? Um, yeah, I, I, I wish. Um, I know, because I've got massive hands. I've got... <laughs> 
And I, I married an Asian girl for a reason. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, um, she's, yeah. Got, she's got small hands, yes. if you know what I'm saying. Well, yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Because uh, it's all about perspective. Well, it, can't go wrong with perspective. Um, I know exactly what you're saying. I'm just trying to think of a way I can... Uh, there's what I'd like to say and what I won't say. But, uh, yeah, this, this ratio is prevalent through nature. Uh, it's everywhere, from your flowers to the water to the waves to the shells to um, our own bodies. You know, there is something in this. And it gets explained away as it's just one of those things. I sat on a park bench. We're talking about vibrations and stuff. I sat on a park bench and it was a lot of um, f- like flowers had dropped down on the park bench. It was an aluminium park bench. Mm. And I think it was like a jacaranda tree. So all the little tiny little purple leaves mm. were on the bench. And like I did this fart, <laughs> which, you know, was probably category nine. Force, Force yep. nine, cyclonic, like let one rip. Mm. And I looked down at the leaves. And they blew into a word? or They blew into a word and just went, you just shit yourself. <laughs> you stink, dude. <laughs> I just, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I was, I was like, wow, wow, nature. It's remarkable, isn't it? It is. But, uh, yeah, so there's, there's theories everywhere and this is good. You know, um, I, I'm not one to dismiss or throw away any theory, um, straight away because a lot of these things, yeah. Okay. There were some out there theories. The earth is flat. <laughs> yeah. We all know that. Um, but we'll pump it back up again, lad. <laughs> but, um. Anything that makes you question is a good thing, you know? and uh, that's something that really I, I push and I, I want people to understand and you know, any aspect of life, question, question everything, question the question. Well, I guess one thing that I appreciate about you as opposed to some other people that I've met who are heavily religious that can't, exp- you, you explain things very well. And you understand that there was, like, you kind of, you kind of like a fence sitter in the way that you take everything written the, and you don't, you don't see it literally. Like, you, there's so much more to what's written down there than, you know what I mean. So yeah. you're not so saying, nah, dude, he created it in seven days. Like, yeah. nah, he he he's got like a wand. Mm. And he, he and that, waved it, and all, and the magic happened. Like, and it creates this inaccurate picture. Yeah. And this is one of the things. And you know, I've had arguments with all sorts of people from inside and outside uh, at various faiths. And unless you understand what you are reading, unless you understand what type of literature you're trying to attack or interpret, uh, you might as well just give up. There's no point in... You know, trying to attack something from a point of view that is not what was intended in the in the text originally, anyway. So that's that's one of the biggest struggles in in all this sort of stuff. It's not a not a fence sitting as such, I guess. Even though I, I know what you're saying, but you know, there is you got to be sensitive to the text, and regardless of what we think and regardless of what we filter, what was the original intention behind what was written? What was the the context behind what was written, who was writing it, and what was the social thing at the time, uh, what was the political situation at the time. You've got to factor in all these things before you can 
look at something and go, oh, this is what it means. Otherwise, you're just going to bark up you know, the wrong tree constantly. And too many people are good at that. Oh, I bet. It's, uh, look, uh, yeah, I, I've, I, I don't know. I, I've sort of, there's a lot of people on the planet who have a limited scope. And whether it's through education or ignorance or, which I, d- I don't think there's such a thing as ignorance. I think people are only capable of, of expanding their mind without being bored. Mm. Some people just don't get into these conversations that we're having. They no. don't sit there and go, wow, yeah, and think <laughs> about it and go, wow, it could be right or imagine if or, well, if that's the case, what if? Some yeah. people go, oh, fuck that, I want to watch the footy. And you know, I'm 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 with them sometimes too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the brain strains all too much, but I guess uh, humans are very um, we're we're kind of fortunate this day and age to be able to explore ideology and mm. explore like theology, like you talk, mm. and we've got the time now to be able to sit back and go, well, let's come up with an idea, and we can record ideas, and we can look at. I mean, the internet age is great. Well, this is it. In the last we, 25, we, 30 years, we've had this opportunity. It's yeah. just exploded. So now um, we can speak to each other, no matter where we are in the world, and we can look at things that people have done and build on them or, or research them, or we can argue with people, or we can you know, come up but with different ideas. And absolutely, it's Because a good in thing. one hand, we are, we've got, finally, we've got technology at our fingertips. We had it before. They were called libraries. Yeah. We actually did have it before, but the difference being is we've got this technology at our hands, but what we've given up for that, mm. which I'm going to bring up something which will, mm. and it's going back to the Garden of Eden and, yep. the, and the apple. Mm. Who set up an apple? Well, I think, it's a, for me, it's metaphorical. Yeah. Well, no, for me, it's a Brussels sprout. Oh. Yeah, that's what the fruit was. It was, a, pota- it was yeah. a potato. It was a potato. It was a potato. No, but what I'm saying is that for me, okay, so it is metaphorical for me, that yeah. story. Quite, and yeah. and, and yeah. the mis- uh, colloquialism. And you look at it now and you go, well, so for example, this technology that we have in, in the internet age that we have now, we think about that and we go, all right, so what are we giving up to have this? Hmm. We are losing community. We are losing Yeah, but I've got lots of Facebook friends, right? And <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I'm, I'm right with you on this. Yeah. We're losing that that human contact, which mm-hmm. makes us human. One, you know, one thing we're re- you know one thing that's almost gone. In one generation, it's almost disappeared. Compassion. Um, yep, absolutely. No real compassion. Yep. Yeah, you're you're right. And when I say real compassion, I mean the people that turn up. I, I used to say to people, if you want to help someone or you want to do something, don't talk about it. Mm. Do something for them. Yep. Don't even tell them it was you. For example, if someone fell on hard times, don't go up to them and go, oh, here you go, Adam. Here's 500 bucks, mate. Um, I want to help you out. People would sort of go, oh, no, 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 it's okay. Mm. But if suddenly they went home and they didn't know who it was from and under their doors just an envelope say, this is for you, champion, Mm. You need it. Yeah, we love you. This is for you. And there's nothing. This is the thing. People want a pat on the back for being compassionate. Yeah. 
one thing about being human was the fact that we were compassionate without ever feeling the need for response or recourse. Yep. So slide that envelope under the door with 500 bucks in it. Don't tell them who it's from because then they will not feel guilty. They don't know who done it. And all of a sudden they benefit from that. Yeah. But then if it comes from you, all of a sudden he feels like, oh shit, I owe oh, Adam yeah. 500 bucks. And that's right. And this is, um, this is a fundamental principle of, uh, of Christianity, which is that we hear the story, the parable that Jesus told of the, the Pharisee and the, and the poor woman. You know, the Pharisees um, making a big show of putting you know, 10 bucks in the, in the offering box. Whereas the widow, this poor woman, had her last 20 cents, but she still put it in and just got on her way. Which person gave more? Yep. The person that gave everything. And there is a fundamental message in this that as human beings, we are, first and foremost, we are selfish. Okay, But our way of building community and the right way to build community and in, with anyone is through serving others, loving others. And it's not about, look what I can do for you, but here's a person... Um, if I believe what I say I believe, and if I do what I say I do, then I must go and do what I can for that person so they can be lifted up and, and restored in whatever way, shape or form, whether it's dropping 20 bucks in the envelope and, and yeah. putting it there, or saying, or even going to them and saying, look, um, can I take you out for dinner? You know, you don't have to dress anything up, but it works in every relationship with, with kids, with your wife, the best relationships are the ones where the partners will serve each other. Yep, okay, I'll take a hit sometimes for stuff that my wife wants to do. Yep. But she knows that I'm doing that and she'll feel loved because I do that and then she'll reciprocate because she'll put up with stuff that I love um, that she doesn't. And you feed each other and you serve each other and you build each other up. And that's how it should be. And you're right, compassion has gone unless we can get our name and the, the sense of community is disappearing as well. Well, uh, here's, yeah. here's an example. We've tricked ourselves with yeah. Facebook friends to think we know people. That's right. And we're staying inside rather than... I mean, I do know. like to see... I used to wonder. I wonder what Jeff's doing nowadays or I wonder what Troy's doing nowadays or I wonder, you know, what, what, what Bill's doing. Jeff Fat. Jeff Fat. What uh, Troy McCanny. <laughs> you know, what's he doing these days? Oh, we all know. Um, Troy Dan. Troy Dan. Um... Helen of Troy. Yes. Yep, all those people. Troy McClure. Troy McClure. Hi, I'm Troy McClure. Um, so, I'm gonna actually going to sidetrack for a sec. I'll, anyone that's out there listening, I want you to do this one thing. And if you are mowing your lawn, and this is getting back to the gesture of community. If you're mowing your lawn, next time, don't stop at the front of your <laughs> yes, place. Yes, yes. Mow... Just that strip out the front of your neighbour's lawn. Yeah. If it needs doing too, just do it. Yeah. It's going to take an extra five minutes to ten minutes of your time. But unfortunately... But you're out there mowing at that point yep. of time. And you know what? When they come home, they're just... It's just one of those little things. Yep. But unfortunately, we are... Our default position is selfishness. You know, from the moment we're born, we work out first how to manipulate our parents to get food. And then we work out that we can lie. No one ever teaches us to lie. You know, it becomes something natural because that's our default position. And we go through life... massive dog. Again, we shouldn't lie. And we go through life uh, as people who, you know, first and foremost... Remember that years ago, there was an insurance company that would have ads on TV and it would be for the most important person in the world. You. You. 
you remember them. And no, the most important person in the world should be the person who's next to you. Lift them up because then they're empowered to lift someone else. And then they're empowered to lift someone else. But we live in a world where it's me, me, me. What's in it for me? Um, you know, I've, well, I'm dealing with somebody at the moment who's having some issues, um, with some property issues. And of course, you know, there's, there's a slight issue with a wall to their property. And that's having a massive impact because it's devaluing their house. And look, I understand that. But there is a point where it becomes an obsession about me and me and me and not about practicality. There's a point in our lives where so many people are so focused on, you know, again, what's in it for me? Or I'd like to help you, but I'm doing this. And we're losing that community. We like to think we've got it. We'll get together every now and then for a lunch with the family or you know, we'll catch up and put a few photos on Facebook. You know, or we'll, we don't call anyone. We text everyone. No, I'm big on calling still. Yeah, but we text. Don't you don't we? answer your phone. Oh, well, that's because it's on silent, and neither do you, because you lose it. But <laughs> Legitimate <laughs> but, reason. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, most people now don't call. They text. Most people now, um, you know, this idea of talking to people, it's confronting almost, because we've lost that sense of community. Even at the McDonald's drive through window, I struggle sometimes to talk to people. It's like, hi, welcome to McDonald's. What can I get you? I'm like, um, yeah. Uh, and my wife's laughing at me because I'm, I'm just mental. I can't you know, get out what I want. So. Which is, g'day, uh, welcome to McDonald's drive through How may I help you? Oh, g'day. <laughs> How you going? What have you been up to? Oh, you know, that's, oh, I'm bad for that. I'm like, everyone else, oh, g'day, mate. How you going? Oh, good. But, but it, it would piss me off if I worked on radio. And he goes, well, and we're calling through, and we've got Jeff on the line. Jeff. Yeah, g'day, what, mate. What have you got? Oh, g'day, fellas. How are you going? Uh, yeah, we're good, Jeff. And we've got Carol on the line. <laughs> Carol, how are you? Oh, g'day, grill team. How's going there? Uh, how are you going? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. And yourself? Yeah, we're good. All right. And uh, tell us, you know, and so in that situation, yeah, I think we don't Of course, but it, I used but... to work at a petrol station, and I loved serving customers mm. because my goal was to crack every face that came through that door. Because was a baseball bat? Well, there, there was temptation sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, to have someone walk out smiling, just that little bit, you know, just a little bit of change in their day. That's Nozzle Warehouse. We'll make your face crazy. <laughs> yes. But, you know, that was my, my job. Like, and you get a lot of miserable people come through and they'll treat, they'll treat you because you're a menial service station worker. You haven't got a real important job. Yeah. But I was always that's why I lie cracking about, the face. That's why I lie face. about my job. All the time, and I tell people that I'm like a uh, adult film star. Adult film star, yeah. I'm in it for the, I'm I'm in it for the, uh, the fame. Oh yeah, who, who isn't? Yeah, and I, I love I love telling people stories about what I do. Hmm. I'm making I've I've made up some funny stories about what I do. Yep. Yeah, failed astronaut was probably one of the funniest ones. <laughs> <laughs> just how I studied for years and that I, I tell people I used to be a physics uh, major at university <laughs> and then I, I went over and I went to Orlando and I studied over there for a while and I tried driving NASA and I got down <laughs> I got down to the last three and then I broke the space suit <laughs> uh, I love people that are gullible enough to believe that yeah, like, but that's fun and people get a kick out of that and they oh they know better. by the time because they, they, I've got to ride up to the, the space suit thing because I go 
yeah, I used to study physics and that. And I said, I was actually one of the first people in the industry. And they're looking at me, looking as rough as shit. And sort of going, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, can you imagine? It's funny how you come across when you go, like, oh, g'day, how are you going? Yeah, I, I actually went over and I studied it, you know. I was at uh, Edith Cowan University. I was a physics major, and then I moved over, and I, you know, if you talk yeah. like that and present yeah. yourself like this. Yes, I have a because, chair at Oxford. No, but I, I go up and I go, yeah, I was a physics major, <laughs> and I went over to Orlando, and I was, like, studying trigonometry and things over there because I wanted to go into space and that. And, yes. well, I got right down to the last three, and they said, you know, Joe, can you, can you try on the space suit? And I blew out the arse end. <laughs> Stuffed me whole astronaut career up. I could have been somebody. That, um, Grand that, control to Major Tom. That is, uh, gee, then we could have some fun with that too. You've just given me some inspiration. That's but, like, that's like, me and you should go out and tell people we're gym instructors. As <laughs> <laughs> well, I said in this movie, I want to wear gym clothes at every scene because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> So we're like two larger fellas, and uh, that that. But oh, did you get the thing about lunging? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. so basically, in this film, what I want you to do is, I reckon, yeah, you wear gym gear all the yeah. time. Not all the time. When you're gigging, you don't wear gym gear. But when you're not gigging, yeah. you know, headband. Yeah. Would you wear like, like one of those cut off and leggings? Um, like, like, and where are you off to? Oh, aerobics. Do you want us? Do you want us really see that? Because there's plenty of people that. Don't yeah, want yeah. To and that. then I want you to lunge, but then I don't want it actually seen on TV. Yeah, no, no one wants to see that. But I want our reaction to be like, oh my god, you know, and people, yeah. you know, like, well, you know, I'll get one lunge, you know, I won't be able to get up again anyway. So and, and you hit a good little... one. <laughs> What's that? They go, I think it's a testicle. <laughs> I um. Testicles popped out of her costume. Her costume. <laughs> oh, I love the twelfth man. But oh, actually, I wanted to just get us back on track for a minute because I want to pick up on something that you you mentioned earlier. You, know, you didn't even realise it. We all lie a lot in our daily life. Yeah. And I'm going to say to you, "Hey, how you going?" And your response is, "Oh, good." We say that all the time. Exactly. But none of us are good. Man up. We've not. Everyone has got something that they're not good about. And, you know, we don't have community. I'll be honest, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I'm actually... No, you're awesome, but... No, no, like, I've, I, I, I... Man, I'm... I've, think about it. Mm. Oh, yeah, look, uh, at, a, at a level of, of... Yes, absolutely, but there's every part of... Cracking job, beautiful yep. wife, awesome kid. Yep, but every one of house. us has worries, okay? So, I don't, man. Oh, I know, because you're an anomaly, Right. I, I'm, but I'm like I'm being dead serious. There's usually something, you know. Like pe- people will say, "Well, what's the one thing?" And I could, put, I don't even want to look any different. I love the way I look. Mm. I love who I am. I love what I've done. Yeah. It's taken a long time to get there. Yeah. Okay. So all right. So and they, people say, "What would you change about yourself?" And I go, Absolutely nothing, nothing. now. No, because no. you're, you're you're where you want to be. But I, I must admit, there are a lot of people that I know that aren't in good places. That's right. And we all say, "Yeah, we're fine." Yeah, how you going? Good. But we're not. And we've lost that community you're talking about. And sometimes all it takes is someone to say, yeah, I'm struggling at the moment. Conversation opens and there's a chance for some, for some yeah, help. And but, ch- but you know what it is? People are afraid mm. to do that. Yep. Because they're afraid of the natural reaction from 95% of the people, which mm. is, oh, I don't want to deal with this. I've got enough of my own issues. Yeah. Get, then there's that selfishness. Yeah. And in... Somehow thinking that we're 
more connected and closer than ever in our world, but we've actually driven ourselves further apart from everyone because there isn't that human contact apart from through a screen. You know, we're not having that depth that's getting back to what I was saying. Yeah. That's what I mean by community. Exactly, we've lost it. I grew up in a place called West Walls End. Well, I grew up in a place called Holmesville, which was... <laughs> Holmesville and West Walls End were neighbouring towns, but they're, they're the same. It's like saying Butler and Merriwa. Yeah. You know, it's, they're the same place. One's got a different postcode, but we're, we're neither here or there. Much of muchness. Neither one or the other. Little column A, little column B. Yeah. Much of muchness. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I grew up in this area, and one thing I loved about that place is, and I'm going back this weekend, and I can't wait, mm. is that you knew everybody. Yep. You couldn't walk down the street without people going, oh, g'day, mate, how you going? Yep. <laughs> Depressed as shit. Oh, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. But, and I wrote a song about it, and, and I talk about how... Um, you don't have worries in a small town because people talk to you. And I believe that a lot of the problems in today's society is the fact that, I mean, I've got neighbours that live around here. It's And it's amazing. The Australian neighbours that I've got here, I don't know. We don't know our neighbours. No, How many but people I, but do? No, no, no. But I've got a South African neighbour, yeah. a couple of Indian neighbours, yeah. and I say I talk to them all the time. Mm. You know why? Because they come from places that still have community. community. Even and this is going to blow people's And that's minds. why I talk, and you know, and I go over and talk. I spend an hour just sitting yep. out, leaning against the shovel, having a yarn talk. Yeah, but this is the thing, and people uh, find this funny. But even in America, there are communities everywhere where you can even look, and there's no back fences, there's no front fences, there's long stretches of grass in between the houses, and yes. people are out there doing stuff. Over here, we have our fences. We have now, obviously, yeah, there's, there's crime and that, but we all want our special block of land fenced off from the rest of the world where we can hide away. Yeah. And then we're worrying why we have higher incidences of depression, why we're having higher incidences of anxiety, why we're having higher incidences of this, that and the other. But is that being caused... Okay, is, let's go down this rabbit hole. Is that being caused by the government putting fear into people due to security reasons? So the byproduct of that is people are building the fences and they're putting all these things up and those fences are creating... This problem, um, I think. I think there is a bit of that. There would be a little bit, and there's also this sense. Of course, we have massive uh, narcotics problems here and crime problems. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I live I, in Butler. I know, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, so there is that part too. But where Speedy Gonzalez isn't your average quick mouse. <laughs> yes, uh, but even still. Yeah, we before we move into an area, but houses are being built before an area is open and they're all fenced off. We seem to have this desire to have our own block, our own place that is boundaried off, that we can call our own and no one can impinge on, no one can touch on. I mean, we have we see people all the time on the news and everything, they're arguing over fences. You know, like my fence or your trees over my fence or something. I mean, what has happened? To our society. Yes. And we have, again, this lack of community. Yes. And it's... No, that's... Truck. It's truck. Yeah. Freeway. No. Train. No, it's, I'm, it's I'm saying the freeway is going to be there. It's a railway. Yeah, but the freeway is going to be there, so... But that was a train. Yeah, I know, but I'm just talking in future tense. 
Oh, I'm talking in past. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot where I was for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, let's have a word from our sponsors. Looking for a party to place this Friday night? Or a place to party? Get on down to the 6030. Always rocking live music, great food, great entertainment, great people. If you're into bogans and pool, no darts. And they got a pool table too. And plenty of uh, plenty of stuff to watch on the TV. Nah, but seriously, what a great pub. It's kind of an Aussie as you get pub, especially in these northern parts. Not little England down at the old 6030. Live music every Saturday and Friday night. You what, mate? They've got some great stuff going on up there. And you know what? Add some of the cheapest beer in town. Add coldest. And coldest beer. So get on down to the 6030. Great value, great people, great time. 6030, Merua. Good old 6030. What a place. What a place. It's been good to us. Yeah, I, I love going down there and playing. I'm... Um, Partly because it's close to home. <laughs> <laughs> Don't need to drag all my stuff around too far. No. So where would you like to take this journey? This journey that we're on? Mm. I don't know. Let's lighten it back up again. Sounds good. Uh, I've got people crying into their beers. I've got uh, fathers pulling over on the side of the road and... Hugging kids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Their own... <laughs> quite hot in here now it's warm yeah but i've got the uh the old uh jvc vcr vc aircon on but it's it's warm in here because we're a couple of tiny blokes in a small room couple of big blokes in not a lot of clothing let's poke out your mind's eye now cop that one brain <laughs> yes so uh where are we gonna head with this conversation ed where do you want to go mate mate i want to go to town i want to go to kmart I was enjoying the movie thing before we were talking about movies. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we've sort of done the movie thing. Done the movie thing, done the deep and... You need to get on that mic. I do, Seriously. sorry. Done the Seriously. movie thing. Done the deep and... Um, we've done the deep thing, we've done the theological stuff. Yes, done the wicked, wacky conspiracy theories. Well, kind of. Yeah, so we did. There's plenty of more. Oh, there's heaps. Oh, we could ride this Let's, ship all Well, we, we haven't got into a bit of... So, I'll tell you what I do want to ask you about. Very important, and mm. you, I know you want to talk about it. Yeah, new drum kit. Oh yes, yes. Hey. Can't wait. Cannot wait. It's going to so be for all your drummers out there. Brrr, this is your moment. This is it's... what they've been. This is what the drummers have been waiting for. Well, um, absolutely. Uh, it's still probably a good four or five months away, so it's a very long wait. But I'm getting myself a Tama Star Babinga kit, which is just stunning. Tama Star Babinga. Bobinga, yep. That's a great word. It's, it's tremendous. It, just, it rolls off the lip. Sounds something. a bit like, uh, you know, when Paul Simon was doing the thing with the Africans. Yeah, it does. It works. poor dude, he just drums some drums. Bobinga <laughs> is the type that he wants. His account's empty. Yep, yeah. He got no money, but Babinga is all that he wants. Uh, yeah, so he it's got to be... Babinga, 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 Babinga. Babinga oh. are the ones that he wants. And tremendous too. Babinga, 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 Babinga. Babinga oh. is the one that he wants. Actually, I will give a plug. Ah, 
Yeah, so I could, I could do that all night. Um, I, I can see that. Uh, we'll give a plug actually. Uh, for the drummers out there, go see Darren at Mega Music in Myori. Now you've got a big problem. You're after some cymbals. Uh, yes, I've. Um, uh, well, this is my dream kit, so I'm going to get a, a you know a decent. I've got some nice cymbals, and Did I love. Did you get that message from that guy from? Yes, I think he is worth talking to. He is, and I have been talking to him. Now this is a guy who's Turkish. He lives in Adelaide. He actually lives where I grew up. Yep. Um, but he has his place over in Turkey, and he makes these handcrafted symbols. Handcrafted symbols out of ah, babinga, not babinga, because it's symbol, symbol, symbols, not simba. Yes. Um, yeah. No. Uh, Zilli Z I double L I are the symbols, and this guy. He sounds like a heck of a nice guy. I'm gonna find out a bit more, but he seems really keen. And anyone that's gonna think they're just Zilligen, but the the gens just rubbed off. Yes. Well, it's a Turkish thing. So you know, I'm spending a lot of money on this kit, so I want to get a really good set of symbols and everything to go with it. Too. I think he may do them at a good price, and then put the time and effort into hand making these symbols. I think. Yeah, from what I've seen and from what I've uh, gathered from talking with him, he, he seemed like a genuine guy, right? And yeah. uh, he's made a pretty massive statement to me. He says that his symbols are better than any of the premium brands you can get on the market. That's a, that's a massive statement. That's a massive statement. So I'm going to do a bit more research. But if he's even in the ballpark... Did he talk numbers? He do it very cheap for you, my friend. He done very cheap yeah. for you, my friend. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, tell him like you do play in one of the premier rock bands in the world. Uh, Just don't ask him to yeah. listen to any of our recordings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. The symbols are terrible. Um, no, I look, I've got lots of nice symbols, right? And I love my symbols, but I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit weird. Yep. That I have a few drum kits, and I like to have a matched set of symbols for each drum kit. I'm not a uh, mix and match, guy, mix and match you know, yeah. whether it's my OCD or yeah. or whatever. So, what do you got on your uh, other Tama kit? Uh, Zildjian A Customs. What do you mainly? got on the Premier? Uh, Sabian Double AXs. Yep. Um, so, obviously, I like those sort of sounds, the brighter, crashier sounds. The Zildjian A Customs are beautiful crashes. They they're wonderful for rock and and you know what we play harder rock and stuff and uh, they really cut through nicely. So again, if this uh, Zilly guy is uh, even close to what he says. So I like a... I, I, I love the idea of having handmade cymbals. I like a compressed cymbal sound. You know what I mean? Like a nice, quiet type, but, but there. You know what I mean? So, Well, it depends on the music, you know? That's why they have different, I like the, different cymbals. I like the actual pot and pan sound you get out of the Ashton cymbals. <laughs> that's, um, that's what we've got to use for the movie. So your drummer in that movie... Yeah, who's all you know? Talks it up, plays an Ashton kit. But he's he's written um, Zilligen on or or Sabian or something on him and black text. Yeah, up. He crossed out Ashton on the kit. Um, Pearl or something. P E R L. Yeah, which will fit into his two hundred dollar clunker. Um, there's an idea. Well, the thing is, there is a there is a drummer that I've modelled Keith on. I mean, sorry, Lukey on, <laughs> and. It's Bo from um, uh, Sweet Surrender. Yep. And Bo's plays this beautiful old Rogers kit. Mm. 
and he's he's a cracker. And if you ever want to listen to a funny podcast, go back and check out one of the old ones. Um, I can't remember. I think it was about podcast four, or between four and seven, or something like that. And it was uh, a sweet surrender podcast. And Bo in that, you know who I'm talking about. And he drives a, I think it might be a Holden Barina. Yes. And every panel on it is a different color. <laughs> it is the biggest shit box I've ever seen in my life. But yep. he, and somehow gets all the drums in it. And he has got a subwoofer in the back. Yep. And the stereo system is louder. I mean, worth more than the car. Yeah. It's hilarious. And he said, I'm keeping this. And he still to this day has that car. Well, why not? It's his personality. It's yours. It's You've been through a lot together with it. Yeah, he doesn't want to do anything with it. He doesn't want to get rid of it or uh, it's his car. It's a statement. Yep. I'm not attached to the world. Obviously, he doesn't. You know, in a way, I, I admire that. Because mm. if a girl's going to get him and go for a ride in that shitbox, she's obviously not. In him, in for the yeah, you know. or or perhaps you know isn't concerned, you know, which back road he might take her out and decapitate her on. So <laughs> no, not in a Honda Civic. <laughs> That's holding Commodore drives. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. I I can't help it. I'm a little bit snobby. I like. I I grew up without having much, and it's turned me into a person. I'm not materialistic. Uh. As as such, I'm I'm not. Um. And uh, anyone who knows me well enough w- would know that. But if I have a chance to have something nice, to work for something nice, you know, to say after all these years, you know, I'll, I'm I'm proud of my stuff. You know, I've got my nice guitar and you know I've got my motorbike and and things. So they take a long time to get to. But um, so same with these drums, too. It's the culmination of years of dreaming. But I'm not a materialistic person, which probably sounds funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's stuff, 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 stuff. Yeah, stuff is stuff. I like stuff. And my, one of the main reasons is, is that I, when I fall off the perch, my daughter's going to have some nice instruments, and if she needs money or anything, it's going to be there for her. That's part of the reason why I'm doing it because you know, we don't own a house and anything like that. So you know, if I can provide some nice things. To share with my daughter too, then I'll do that. Kiki would hate me then if that's the case. Yeah. Well, what am I? Where am I going to put all this shit? Um. I'll find somewhere. Well, I think <laughs> we'll talk about gear acquisition syndrome. Gas. Gas. Yeah. And that's everyone asks me why is it called the gas station? Yeah. There's a site on Facebook. Yes. The gas station. So if you're a listener from overseas or from outside of Western Australia, um, there is a site on Facebook called The Gas Station, and everyone thinks it's gas station as in pumping gas. Yeah. But it's gear acquisition syndrome. And it's a it's a coin term, I guess, people go through where they just want stuff. Now, always updating, always changing, uh, getting something better and new, something better. New toy and music stuff because... The thing with music is you fall in love with different sounds all the time. Yeah. Like, I, I went through a phase where I was Pink Floyd mad, then I was metal mad, then I was hip-hop mad, then I was in this other stuff, and then, you know what I mean? And then you can only keep certain amount of gear that cert- does certain things. So, yeah. um, I've gone through playing bass, back to guitar, back to bass, back to guitar. But I've settled now, after a lot of years of playing with 
Banjo. <laughs> Mandolin. Um, no, with just like what... Okay, so let's go rigs. Uh, bass rig, I use again, spends 1200 GBE for the big gigs. Mm-hmm. And I'm using a little Fender Rumble 500 for... And that sounded mint, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds great. And the thing is, it's, it's DI'd out. You could basically use an in-ear piece and not have an amp at all. Yeah. Um, but I do like to... And the thing weighs four kilos. That's that's my new rig. I love it. It weighs less than my shadow. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And I think you get to a point where you know, the older you get, things are heavier, harder to move. And But mind you, know. you, I've still got a couple of like Marshall quads and, and the AC30 and couple of rolling amps and that but but the thing is i'm gonna have a recording studio yeah so and i've had recording studios in the past so i need for me it makes sense for somebody who's just collected the stuff because they want it when are they going to use it let's get a line six amp with with all pre-dialed in amp sounds and (laughs) don't don't do that (laughs) please don't do that i think they're great um for practicing yeah they're great (sighs) Uh, I'm a bit of a snob. Um, I'm old school, you know, so I'm a, um, I prefer analog over digital. And What's yeah. your preferred guitar rig? What do you like as far as... Look, if I was... Okay, so... If you could have any guitar amp in the world. Any guitar amp in the world and the guitar to go with it. Well, I know that you've got the guitar. I've got, I've got the guitar, yeah. But if that I had... That PRS to, is a custom line? It's a private stock. Private stock. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's stunning. Yeah, um, made makes me sound half decent too. If I could have any amp in the world, it'd be a Fender Twin. Classic, twin reverb. Yep, classic yep. Fender Twin. Um, you can drive it if you want to, but that clean sound it is, is beautiful. Just phenomenal. Yeah. I teched for um, the Whalers, mm. and which I thought was illegal. Now, although Japanese were they? No, they were actually yeah, Boston Whalers. <laughs> No, they were uh, the whalers. The Jamaican whalers. They're Jamaican, man. But Mr. Green, I'm trying to... Al, Al Green, I think maybe his name is it's Green. can't remember the guitarist. Anyway, he... he Part of his specs were Fender Twins. Mm. And the sounds he was getting out of them, that clean, nice reggae... Cr- yeah. And you run, <laughs> you run a telly, especially a telly or... A, well, he was yeah, playing Strat. Or a Strat. Strat and a Fender Twin. And the sound yeah. was just beautiful. Yeah, it's stunning. But you know, like you hear, you hear tones every now and then, and you just, I think that's the thing. That's why we get gas. You know, I listened the other day to um, uh, Gary Moore. Yep. Still got the blues. Yep. That wine he gets from that uh, Les Paul, yeah, those high notes and just the it's this whining beautiful sound. It's it's it. it you can't describe it. It's it's almost a passionate sound. Well, that comes from sustain. Yeah, but it's just through through his martial. It just sounds gorgeous, and obviously that's I'm thinking. I think that's his '59 Les Paul that was Peter Green's or something. Else. There's a whole history behind it, but that sound is just phenomenal. So I understand why people get that, and then you realise most of the time it's in the fingers anyway. Yeah, yeah you, you can have the sound to a point, but it's it's the talent of the person playing it that's going to make all the difference. So I'll do, I'll listen to that, you know, and I prefer listening to stuff like that than listening to, you know, a Satriani or a Vi or something because the the sound is you know, over processed and, you know, like I I respect absolutely respect what they've 
they can do. Their talent is just extraordinary. But there's just something about that that scream from a again from a Les Paul into a into a Marshall or you know you know that clean sound from a, a Strat or a Telly into a into a Twin Reverb. Uh, um, you know, the dirt that you get from listening to an early Black Sabbath. You know, there is something about that sound that's almost elusive a lot of the time when we spend so much time getting pedals and digital this and just trying to replicate. I almost bought a, uh, a Brian May pedal because, you know, Queen's my favourite band. Um, but, you know, here's the thing which... Uh, I'm going to put you onto something here yeah. where a lot of musos go wrong is that they buy all these pedals to replicate sound, yeah. but if they're not playing through a good amp, that that's going to replicate that sound. Mm. There's no point having it. Well, that's it. So if you're playing through... Okay, so I've got... Um, and God bless him, the late, great Phil Emanuel. Yes. Uh, when he came over, he gave us a couple of Rollins. You know what I mean? And, and I've got them sitting around mm. here somewhere. Loved Roland. Mm. And he used a, he used a Roland processor. Yep. So it was all Roland. And a very digital sound, but he still made it sound amazing. Mm. But he said to me, uh, he played Bogota amps, and mm. he said, "Look, they're heavy, they're clunky, they're great if he's if he's playing somewhere where he's got people setting up his gear and all that. Yes. He'll he'll use the, he'll use the good stuff." But he said, just for doing a little gig, he said these can replicate the sound. But he said, where a lot of guys go wrong, he goes, "I'll tell you something now." He goes, "He goes, I've been playing guitar for a long time, and, and Phil had played guitar for a long time. He's never once used a pedal. Mm. You know ah. what? He didn't even use a tuner." Phil Emanuel, one of the greatest electric guitar players in the world, mm. and this goes the same for, um, uh, I forget his name. I know Green was his surname. Um, he, once again, both players played directly into the amps. Yep. No pedals. Yeah, and, that's right. and, and they made the way they played guitar, so they, they, they would use the volume pedal. They would set it so that the... It had a bit of just a little bit of dirt on it when it was yep. at full tilt, and they would roll off the sound a little bit to get that beautiful clean sound. Yep, and that's all they did. That's that's right. Now we go back to Brian May, right? And I tried this this Brian May pedal out, and the sounds are almost there, but unless you're playing the original Red Special, you know, which is no one can, um, running a treble booster and a tape delay through an AC30 with the sixpence playing on gold strings, you're just not going to get it with, and with your own stupid fingers. You know, like, you can get close. But I think that's what sets people apart and what makes me admire them more, that you don't need a lot of anything but just sheer talent to make something sound so beautiful. That's right. It, it, you know, you can't hide behind effects and all that kind of stuff. No. And there's a certain thing with... Uh, touch and, f and I'm big on that and and I, I you know I've taught guitar in the past and I've taught some young kids and they can whittle up and down the neck and they can mm. and they can shred and we've played with players in the past that can do all that and whittle up and down mm. a guitar and and light the key uh, light the fretboard on fire mm. but they lack that touch and they lack that beautiful uh, and for me that's what music's all about yeah so when I play I don't sit there and I play Mate, I'm still playing basic guitar. I really am. But I'll tell you something that I've got over a lot of other players is that I do... Look, someone's breaking into the studio. I do play 
with a certain touch and I, I make the guitar do certain things that, yeah. you know. And that's the thing. I mean, I when I'm recording, so I've got my own recording stuff too, right? So that, that was a train, I think. Coming through the front door? Uh, that was your cup, I think, banging on. There's no one at the front door. Um, apart from that person. No, no. Uh, so I've got my own recording stuff, right? So if I'm recording and I wanted to do a whole bunch of different layers, I, I might use an 11 rack. Uh, for some different sounds and things, but yep. if I'm playing, yeah, you know, I've got my, my my guitar and my major amp is a uh, a Laney Ironheart, which is great. It's a it's a cracker of an amp. It's a uh, it's, yeah, full uh, um full transformer and, and everything. And it's got valves and uh, and it's got an attenuator, so you can you, know, you can dial up the sounds you want and just take down the wattage, so you can play quietly but still get the get the um the valves singing and stuff and yeah, I don't use pedals, I, partly because I'm lazy and it's too complicated anyway, that's probably the main reason, but I'm, I'm a bit of a purist, and same with drums, you know, I like, yeah, okay, I've got a lot of drums, and I like having a lot of drums, but unless you can play properly with a four-piece kit, there's no point getting lots of drums, and I think it's the same with guitar or anything, you know, unless you can play well, without all the... Well, I've always encouraged people to learn to play an acoustic well. Yes. And you'll move on electric nicely, and you'll yep. play electric right. Yeah, because unless you can yeah. play without all the guff, then yeah, you're wasting your time a bit. Yeah, true. Like, I like playing... Um, I've got that Telecaster of mine, and I like playing that just through um, through the AC30 with just a touch of reverb, hmm. not driven too hard, and the sound is just beautiful. Yeah. A oh, tiny little bit of tremolo in it. And you just do those, and I can't wait to have the recording studio set up and mm. and start playing some songs, you know, like with yeah. that. Let's get um, get some tracks down for sure. Oh, so I want to do I want to do a blues album. Yep, but now that's the thing. Like, right, so getting back to the, the the original thing, I I understand gas. We all get it, and you know, I love the sound of pedal steel guitar. Yep, I'll never play it, but I can understand. Well, you know, one day I'll look at one and go, gee, I might get that to try it. Not that I ever would. Mm. You know, I love the sound of the resonator guitars. But there's no point in me having one. I had a tricone I sold it. I'm kicking yeah. myself. <laughs> yeah, 12 strings. 12 strings sound oh, great. I had a mate in 12 string and I yeah. sold it and I'm kicking myself. Like. Yeah, well, I should kick you for that as well. So, But I understand gas. You know, for, I think there's a part of all of us that goes, if I get this better equipment, I'm going to be a better musician. And in some, in some regards, it's, it's true because you, know, you get more exposed on better equipment. Yeah, you know, um, when I went from my crappy guitars to uh, my Strat and then to my PRS, you know, it picks up mistakes. You know, you can't mask anything, you can't hide anything from um, when you're playing something like that. And the same with drums. Um, you know, the better the drums, the better everything's you know, audible. You can hear everything; it's clearer. Than, and all of a sudden, every little thing you do wrong. I must admit, when I played your PRS, it. <laughs> It made those chords just sound beautiful. Yeah, it was, it's a nice guitar. You um, know, like I remember, it did. It sounded great. Yeah, it's. I, I'm. I'm stoked with it. And quick to play, like as far as the lead stuff was, and the notation was so smooth. Yeah, well, yeah, it want to be for the price, but and that was a long six month wait. But yeah. again, um, I, the story behind that one. But in saying that, in saying that, that that guitar has been well set up and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Probably spent, you know, you buy it for fourteen, fifteen grand. Mm. No word of a lie. I've put a lot of time into my telly setting it up, mm. and I, I get a similar result for feel. Yeah, I play that, and it's just yeah. 
And that's what's that's what yeah. you need. But the story behind Maple that, Neck, I just can't go past a Maple Neck. That, that PRS is, um, you know, I'd wanted one for for twenty years. Yeah. And I um, I had a a situation where I wound up in hospital, and uh, I said to my wife, I said I'm gonna celebrate. Uh, being alive basically by going out I'm going to get myself a PRS I've always wanted one and uh, I can get one off the off the rack as such but this is pretty important to me and special to me so I'm going to go get one made for me and it's similar with these drums you know that um, there's a story behind it yeah so yeah I, I love the thing <laughs> yeah, it's the one thing I'll never get rid of uh, but still I, uh, you're going to find the, your mistakes are amplified a lot more. You're going to find you know, all those little boo-boos that you make, the lazy things that you do, uh, get exposed a lot more too when you're playing with better stuff. But I, So I understand that part of it too. You know, if I get this, I'll be a bit better. Well, yeah, in some regards, you, know, you will. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I read myself, it's, you know, I say to myself, it's stupid to buy this drum kit. I'm not playing seven nights a week, but... I don't know, it's just, it's you know, the white whale for me, you know, so, so I, I get it, and uh, you know, I'd be very remiss to say that I don't experience... Uh, but it, it does help, and the thing yeah. too, like, I've got good gear, mm. um, you know, and it does, it does help because you get a very good, you get a good sound. Like I, I hop on a cheaper bass to play a cheaper bass now. Yeah. I mean, I've got a, I've got the top, yeah, the top of the Waza Ibanez basses. Like, it's a beautiful bass. It's, you can't get a better bass than Ibanez make. It's it's the the number one that they make. And I was very fortunate to be able to get in a situation where I could have got one of those. Once again, they get made and you order and you wait and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But um, I've hopped on other basses now. And that's why I've only got one bass now because I'd yeah. hop on the others and just couldn't play it. They're just yeah. horrible. And but it, it it allows me to do things on the bass that I normally couldn't do on a cheaper bass. And and to explain that in layman's terms is that, and the same with your PRS and the same with me telly now, um, is and and I must admit even that um, Schecter blackjack that I got it, yeah it's it, it's not a bad but it needs a bit of work there's yeah, a few but, things yeah, with the neck for that what needs you pay for that thing that's tremendous yeah but um, when a guitar feels smooth and silky yeah. under your fingers mm. as opposed to sharp and bitey mm. I know that's a pretty bad adjective but well I get it when it's when it feels abrasive. Mm. And, and I don't mean just putting oil on it and having it slippery. Yeah. But when it feels smooth underneath you and it feels so, right, yeah. then you know you've got a good instrument. Yeah. You know? I, I, I've tried to explain this before, and I guess the way I could probably describe it is imagine you're spending 10 years learning to drive in a 120Y. Right? You've learned how to drive in this Datsun. you learned all the bits and pieces of it. Then you jump into a Ferrari. Right? You think you can drive that like you can drive your 120Y. You're insane. It'll throw you off. It'll buck you off. It'll... Oh, you won't. You won't stay on corners. Exactly. So, and it's the same sort of thing with with gear, isn't it? That you spend a long time and you finally get used to something, and then you 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 got to relearn, in a sense. But you know, it's worth it. Yeah. 
Uh, again, like, I, I don't need a million guitars. I don't, you know, my wife will be happy to hear that. But Brian, mate, well, we, we oh, both yeah. love the guy. He plays one guitar. Yeah. Willie Nelson plays one guitar. Mm. John Fogarty plays 98 guitars. Mm. He, he, I've never seen anyone pull out more guitars at a concert in my life. He, he'll whip out a guitar for every song. I, yeah. I, I'd hate to be his guitar tech. Yeah, that would be, yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been very fortunate in all the guitar checking jobs I've done over the years. I would say nearly all of them bar one that I can think of play one guitar. Mm. Yeah. And most of the great artists just play, they've got their baby. You know, mm. I mean, I never go to a show with two, two, two guitars. Oh. Uh, I understand people have alternate tunings for songs and stuff, and rather than doing it on stage and wasting time, you grab the other guitar that's you know in D or something. That makes perfect it sense. It does, and yeah, absolutely. But yeah, even even with our stuff, you know, some drop D stuff. I like the way you change kit because it's like you tune the drums a bit different. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and you do it like so quickly. It's, again, it's, I don't know, <laughs> it's one of those things, isn't it? You know, you went from, like the other day, you went from your 68-piece kit down to, like, <laughs> your 44 one, and in the blink of an eye. Yeah, that's... Outstanding, sir. Um, oh, it's, it's, you know, I like to play. <laughs> just <laughs> quoting Garth. Do, do you remember that, uh, do you, just completely sidetracked yeah. on another topic, do you remember that? The Guinness ads years ago, and they had that weird-looking guy that looked like Bono out of. Uh, I just remember, brilliant. No, no, way before that. Weird guy. And there was a weird Bono. guy that looked like Bono out of U uh, two, and he used to go, "I like to watch." Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. I don't because remember the Guinness, that. the beer would just fill up. Yeah. and you see staring at it. Yeah, I remember that. Then now. he'd go, "I like to watch." <laughs> I haven't thought of that in years. There's a guy I want to know what's doing now. <laughs> What he's doing now? That same guy was in the board game called Nightmare. There was, was a was it the video? Yeah, you yeah, used to yep. watch the video. Yep. And you you would do different games. You'd do either the Baron Zamidi one or you'd do the um uh, you know, four different games that was yep. on the, and you'd watch the video and you'd do Yes. Yeah. Wow. He would ask you a question or or you'd roll the dice. Mm. And you'd have to coincide with the video and what he was yes. telling you. That was the same. That was the same guy. That's unreal. Actually, that's a uh, a good topic. What's the most bizarre? Where are they now? You could think of. Uh, Remember that fat kid from Hey Dad? I want to know what he's doing. Who uh, Nugget? No, no, the little kid that. Ended up here. He's in those toilet paper ads too. I got no idea. He's a little school kid. Yeah, right. All I remember is Nugget. Nugget. Yeah, he was great. Nudge. 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 Sorry. Yep. Nudge. Nudge. Nudge was awesome. Nudge was awesome. Yeah, what's he doing now? I know what Mister Kelly's doing now. He's yeah. doing time, isn't he? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, that was a little, um, little unfortunate. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, bizarre. Where are they now? Uh, bad subject because we just would be sitting there going, "Oh, that guy that done the thing and the, and he was in the oh in the show, and he yeah. uh, and he, yeah, he, the actor guy. Yeah, well, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, there's so many things I haven't thought about that in years. I remember the brilliant ones. 
Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, there you go. Beer commercials. This is a big ad. That's one of the best ads I've ever seen. That was tremendous. I thought the Australia... For me, the best ad I've ever seen, and I thought it was awesome, was the Australia Day ad where Captain Cook pulled up on the... On the... Um, on the and so the two Aboriginal fellows out. are there going, oh, g'day, mate. Where are you from? You know <laughs> what I mean? He goes, we are from England. We hereby... He goes, no, 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 hang on, mate. Throw some meat on the barbie. Come have a beer with yeah. us or something like that. And then it's like other people, the Maori fellas turn up and yeah, then yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Spain, Spanish turn up and then the, the French and it was really cool. It was. It had a lot of meaning in it. It was, that it was tasteful and, and good. Yeah, it was for Australia Day and it was like oh, right, basically going on about how we're multicultural but with a bit of humour. Yeah. And you know who I absolutely rate for humorous people? Kiwis. I, I love... New Zealand sense of humour. <laughs> now we're talking about the Avengers and so. And we, have you seen the latest the Thor, Thor Ragnarok? Yeah, Ragnarok? Yeah, that was the director playing that guy. Or why? 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 I think his yeah, name is. Yeah, he Waititi. said it was something like eighty percent um, just ad libbed that movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's the guy that done. If the, if you want to watch a movie that's very satirical, but quite sort of funny. If you're into Flight of the Concords, which I think he may have had a little bit to do with the writing there as well. Um, he, along with Jermaine Clements and that, they'd done this movie called What We Do in the Shadows. Mm. And it's a vampire movie. I'm not sure if you've seen it. I've, yeah. Yeah. And it's, look, it's it's hit and miss. I've, I've put it on to a few friends and said, I find, I find it quite funny. Mm. We're werewolves, not swear wolves. Come on, fellas. Come yeah. on now. We're not, we're not swear wolves. Like, put your money in the jar. Yeah. We're werewolves, <laughs> not swear wolves. <laughs> Like and that's that's Murray from uh, yeah. from Flight of the Concords, um, Reese Reese Davies, but uh, Reese Darby, sorry, yes. but he um, Ragnarok. Look, these movies, things like Guardians of the Galaxy mm. and all that kind of stuff, they just need that comment. It makes it easy to sit through instead of just all the heroic bullshit. It does, and the the last Avengers movie, uh, Part One, Infinity War, was it was serious and it was punch in the face at the end. God, there was some funny stuff in that movie too. Yeah. It was hilarious when you had this uh, Star-Lord and Thor, um, a man-off almost. You know, Star-Lord trying to be as manly as Thor. It was it was hilarious. Who's Star-Lord again? But, um, Star-Lord, that's um, Chris Pratt, Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians, oh, yeah. right, he's Star-Lord. Yeah, so it and, was oh, Yeah, so I haven't funny. seen that yet. No, yeah. you haven't. You need, oh, you, we'll have to wait now, but it was brilliant. So it's not on the movies anymore? No. Because when you're off that mic, you're off that mic. <laughs> yeah, oh <dear. laughs> I'm trying to get comfy without making too much noise, and I can hear the chair all. Oh, I don't remember. We're gonna have quiet chairs. I'm gonna use solid plastic chairs comfy in the studio. Chairs. Yeah, not not office chairs that squeak and rattle and roll. And no, that's good. Uh, speaking of movies, yeah, I want to go back. What's your favourite Australian movie? Oh, it's a toss up. Um... Between well, one of them is actually a movie called Cosy. Yes, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. And the reason being is David Wenham's role mm. in that movie. Uh, David Wenham, Cosy's about the play, Cosy yes. Fan Duty, yeah. and, and um, basically it's a it's a bunch of misfits that are, have to do either detention or yeah. uh, or something like that. So they do a community service by performing Cosy for on, for yeah. the community. And David Wenham is on sort of a parole for. Um, he's a uh, an arsonist, mm. 
and he's got a real problem with setting things on fire and he talks about setting a cat on fire or something like that and it's, it's dark but humorous at the mm. same time but there's a scene in that movie which still to this day I think is one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen and, and it's actually inspired me with, with um, this film The Riff that I'm writing yeah. inspired me as to what I want to do with a few scenes now I'm going to go through the scene so you know there's another scene where he, he has to go to court I don't know if you remember that scene he goes he goes oh can I can I have some money to get home yeah yes what are you going to nah do you get lunch in there a lot of stuff like that he goes <laughs> I've been here for two hours now what time's recess oh geez, I'm starving <laughs> he's in court and he's like yeah. come on I want to get out of here I want to go and then in the end he asks the judge you know can I have some, some money to go home and get a taxi home he goes <laughs> oh and maybe get some ciggies or something like that you know but he this is I'll get back to the scene that I'm, I'm talking about. And what it is, is for some reason, Ben Mendelssohn's character's walking up the street and he's talking to the, the girl who's helping him put this thing together. And behind him are all the people that are in the play walking behind him. And I think they're walking to the theatre or so, I don't know what. They went to watch something and they're on their way back or something like that. And they don't make note of it. But if you look very carefully in the background... David Wenham's character, who is the arsonist, is mm. walking through, dropping matches into all the garbage bins in the street <laughs> as they're walking up the street. And you don't even think about it because the focus is not on him. It's on yeah. the two people, Ben Mendelssohn and the girl who I think was um, uh, the girl who played uh, Russell Brand's partner in that, the English... Oh. And get him to the Greek, all right? Yeah. Um, her. Yes. Anyway, but she, she and Ben Mendelsohn, they have this conversation. As they're walking up, up, I could be wrong on that, but they're walking up the street and they're having this really D&M about, you know, how they're going to get this play together. And you see David Wenham's character on the street and you see, you see him dropping something in the bin. But then you go back another 100 metres or so and you see the bin starting to, like, catch a light and one <laughs> starts catching on fire and then you see people rushing over to it to put it out and then the next one starts catching on fire and people suck <laughs> under it. And then the next one starts catching on fire and and I've looked on YouTube to try and find that scene and it's, it's not... No one's put it up, you know what I mean? Because it's one of them things in a movie where... Unless you go back and rewind and watch yeah. it again, yeah. you, half the time people miss it. And I tell people about that. They go, "That's not in the movie." I went, "You go back and watch it." Yeah. And people ring me up, go, "You're right." Yeah. That's that's probably one of the funniest things in the movie. And for me, it was just a, that in the court scene was ridiculous. Yes. It was hilarious. Um, and the bit where he's talking about how he like killed the cat, and <laughs> that's the reason he's on parole and all this stuff. And yeah, look, it's um, so that that movie just it's a one of my personal favourites. Mm. I was nearly going to say Bad Boy Bubby, but I've gone off that. Now, in the last few years, I just don't appreciate it like I used to when I was yeah. a kid. When I was younger, I thought it was funny. But and it was rebellious to watch that when It was rebellious, yeah. and now I kind of think, oh, it's a bit shit. Yeah. Um, but there's a movie called, and I know this was so left to feel, but Ten Canoes. Um, and I've... I have heard of that. It's all but... about the uh, the Yolnu mob up mm. in up in the, and it's all in their language, and it's completely. And the reason I love it is that we have got a grasp of what we think of Aboriginals and what, but this movie is set back in the day where there wasn't white fellows in the communities, mm. 
or it was when the first ever saw a white fella. And it's all done in language. But the story is about a guy that goes over and brings, because it's all about skins and bringing girls and yeah. they'd go capture women and bring them back and all that kind of stuff. And he did something wrong and he gets speared in the leg and it's all about the tribal culture and all that. And it's all in language. And there's subtitles, but it's a bit like um, uh, something like what Mel Gibson would have done with Apocalypto and um, yeah, um, the Passion. And the Passion, yeah. but it's an Australian version of, and it's it's the closest thing I can ever imagine of seeing what it was like. Yeah, for that culture back in the day, and there's very little done on the culture. There's the stereotypical stuff that you see in. Um, you know, let's go to Crocodile Dundee with Ernie Dingo's character and all that kind of stuff. But for me to see that, I thought that was amazing. Yep. I just uh, and it's one of my favourite films still to this day that's come out of Australia. Yeah, good. Yeah, so there you go. There's my 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 top film. We we sort of have some gems that come out of this country that don't get well known. You know, like mm. you ask people what the Australian again, and most people would say Crocodile Dundee or oh. you know, the Castle. Australia. Uh, Australia, yeah. Uh, BMX Bandits, you know. <laughs> um, that was pretty good. One of my favourite movies is The Dish. Yes. Uh, it's such a feel-good movie which and funny. It's funny and warm and so well-written. And I um, should go watch that again. It was a tremendous movie. Sorry to crush ice the whole way through that. Uh... <laughs> yeah, this is given a you know big spiel, but that's mm. all right. Crush away. You know what I love about the dish? There's something in that movie that when I watched it, I wanted to do it. Yes. Yeah. And and you know what I'm going to say? Play cricket, cricket. in yep. the dish and just never have to chase after the ball. Yeah, that'd be tremendous. That would be awesome. Like you just hit the ball anywhere and it rolls back down to the middle. Yep. But uh, the characters in that movie are all great. Even the, the dopey security guard and. Uh, one of my favourite actors who um, is so diverse is uh, Patrick Warburton, who um, you know is he play he's in the movie The Dish, but he's also the voice of Kronk in you know, um, Emperor's New Groove, and he's you know the big unit in Ted, you know the big guy. That, he's got that real straight laced um, way about him in Ted. He, he runs the hire car place and. He's such a good actor, and what Ted the Ted Bear? Yeah, and he um, but he plays the guy from NASA, who's working at the American guy who's working at, at the Dish, and he's he's just a tremendous character. He's brilliant. Yeah, actors that I like that a lot I think that a lot of people don't really know about is um, we talked about him earlier. Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn, I love him. I love I love him in Evil yeah. Woman. That scene where they go... <laughs> there's a movie, that's an old movie, it's probably about 15 years, it's probably made in 97. Mm. It's like everything else good we are talking about earlier yeah. on today. But there's, that movie is hilarious. That Evil Woman, to, to give you the concept, is that they've got a great mate, which is Jason, what's his name, the guy out of American Pie? Uh, Biggs. Jason Biggs. And he... Basically, Amanda Peets is the girl, and he meets her, and she's very domineering. She's very a bit of a control freak. Yeah, and they get married, and she's <laughs> she's very controlling. And Steve Zahn and Jack Black 
uh, were his mates, and they played in a band called Rough Diamonds, and they were a Neil Diamond tribute yeah, yeah. tribute act. If you remember that, yeah. but for me, the 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 scene, and we'll talk about great scenes in movies. Um, for me, that scene was when they presented to him how their life has been since he married Amanda Peet's character. Yeah. Um, and they pulled out a graph. <laughs> and they talked about times when they're down, the amount of times that they've gone to watch hockey games yep. and all this kind of stuff. And then at the end of the graph, they've got WO. And, <laughs> and it's through the roof. Yeah. Yep. And then it's like, we used to go out and remember when we were in the band and we used to like pick up girls and that. Well, that's led to a massive incline in W.O. And, uh, and then Jack Black looks at him and goes, and that's whacking off, if you're not sure what that means. <laughs> <laughs> then the graph is through the... <laughs> yeah. Um, Sahara. He's really good in Sahara too. Yeah. He's the foil to the main character. But another guy I was just thinking of, um, Alan Tudyk, or Tudyk, however you say his surname. He's um, in Tucker and Dale versus Evil, and Steve the Pirate in Dodgeball, which is another photo. What what in Tuck? Which which one is he in Tuck? Well, he's uh, he's Steve the Pirate in Dodgeball, um, but he's oh, he's, yeah. he's yeah, Tucker. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he's great too. He's funny, good character actor. So, yeah. That uh, Tucker and Dale's another great movie. That's tremendous. That's a great movie as Funny well. Funny as. So if you're looking for a good film on Netflix, Tucker and Dale, great show. It's a horror flick spoof. Very funny. Yeah. yeah um, I love parody movies and spoof movies and stuff like that. And yeah, Spoof. Spoof movies. <laughs> you <laughs> settle down. There you go. Somebody likes spoof movies. But uh, yeah, Tucker and Dale's brilliant. But, um, yeah, but it looks like your wife is trying to, have I parked in the wrong spot or? So we've got a security system in the yeah. studio here. We can see that Kaneko's just arrived home and it's got nowhere to park. Oh, I'm going to have to move my car. Which has led to a major incline in me WOing. <laughs> um, or oh, is she going to come in and kick me or? No, she's got space. She's got space. That's good. You just can't watch her though, because she's Asian. So. Did your car just nudge forward? Robert? Exactly right. <laughs> just uh, we're a little bit distracted watching the uh, watching the reversing. Uh, yeah, Alan, yeah, Alan Tudyk, Steve Zahn, these underrated uh, actors who I don't think get enough recognition. No. Steve, yes, sorry. Back to back to script. Yeah. Yeah, Steve Zahn, I love him in the Ridiculous Six. We talked about that earlier. I'm yes, sure. We yeah. talked about Ridiculous Six. He had the lazy Six. eye. Yep. If you, he had to scoop out an eye, and one of his eyes was partially blind. He wasn't allowed to scoop out the blind. And he he had to scoop out to join the he's left eye gang. Eye. Was it the right eye gang or the oh, left no, the, the only, left eye gang? His only good eye is I had to scoop out though. to join the right. And then at the end of it, yeah, we won't spoil it, but yeah. Yeah, it was it's hilarious fun. movie. Yeah, really good. He's also the guy who plays the brother of Paul Walker in uh, Roadkill, which was that sort of um, thriller movie about uh, guys on a CB who uh, mess with a truck driver and pretend they're females and, and stuff. 
yeah, and yeah. get chased by this guy and, and stuff. So it was quite a good movie. That's true. Actually, while we talk about that, let's take a word from our sponsors. Can't we all just get along at the Red House Furniture? We, we can. At the Red House. I'm Richard, a.k.a. Big Head. I work at the Red House and I'm black. I like pumping iron and pumping furniture into people's homes. I'm Johnny, a.k.a. T-Engage. I work at the Red House and I'm white. I like deer hunting, bass fishing, and extending credit to all people. At the Red House. I'm black and I love the Red House. I'm white and I love the Red House. I'm a black woman and I love the Red House. I am white, and the Red House is for me. At the Red House. Look at the sofa. It's perfect for a black person or a white person. This mattress is perfect for a white person or a black person. At the Red House, where black people and white people buy furniture. And Hispanic people, too. And all people. What did we just listen to? That is a legitimate ad. Are we actually sponsored by the Red House? <laughs> well, they, they, they love all people. They do love all people. Black they people are very particular about... White uh, people. And black people, how they can... They, they all can use the same furniture. Yeah, so I'm thinking fat people too. At so the, we could be at the big, big house. house. <laughs> at the big house. We're fat people, people buy oversized furniture. <laughs> and skinny people too. And skinny <laughs> It's the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Check it out on YouTube. The Casio keyboard soundtrack. Oh, and hats off, hats off to the person who wrote that score. Yeah. And the two guys singing are really giving it their all too. They're like finger pushing and, you know, it's... I think they sing at the local uh, church it's on, a on a Sunday. It's a thing of beauty to watch. That, so, that's a... That's a masterpiece. It is, and it's a, it's a legitimate ad. It's got the website and the phone number and everything at the end of it, so it's not just a you know a joke. I, I need you to do me a favour. You need to find more sponsors for the show like that. <laughs> yeah. So I need you to, on a regular basis, yeah, just yeah. come at me with some of the sponsors. So that you, I, you don't I think need black people and white and Hispanic people? Hispanic, yeah. <laughs> some of the uh, the car yard adverts in 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 America are, are fantastic. <laughs> Um, at the I Red love, I love, House. I love deer hunting, bass fishing, <laughs> and extending credit to all people. And I'm a white person. <laughs> and they look like rabbits in headlights in this ad. Like, I am a white person. <laughs> what What I would laugh at is, I'm a professional actor, <laughs> yes. and I like to buy these, furniture. You know these people weren't paid for their opinion. It's <laughs> sad. <laughs> I heartily recommend jumping on YouTube and just looking at the Red House. I wonder if they walked away and never thought, uh, I changed my mind. I'm actually a black person. (laughs) 
it is it is a, it's actually a video yeah. it's not uh, somebody has paid an advertising company <laughs> to put that, <laughs> to together. Put that together no they didn't uh, <laughs> oh, well no. I didn't say it was a rep- reputable advertising no I, I think Kathy in the back room that knows a little bit about stitching together a video well, has put that together they got and Richard. she has she has done herself a fine job Richard aka Big Head <laughs> Who loves pumping, pumping iron, iron and pumping, pumping furniture into people's homes? Into people's homes. <laughs> <laughs> Please check it out. It's the greatest thing. It's um, I saw it years ago and I've never forgotten it. And you know, God bless the internet. I, mean, I, I think that's what the internet was made for. Oh, Cat videos, videos of people hurting themselves, and funny stuff like that. Yeah. Well, and what we need you to do, Adam, we need to get you back very soon. Mate, I love being here. And we need to get, we'll do another episode where it's, let's just pull up the best of YouTube, our best of YouTube, yeah, our twisted tales on YouTube, and just bring up, we'll have a YouTube night where we, we'll do a fair bit of editing, of course, but um, we'll have the best of YouTube, and we'll just play some stuff from from YouTube. Yeah, there's, there's so much. We, we'll go out and find a swag of that stuff. And, and you know, we're talking before about technology and stuff, but gee, there's some stuff on the internet I can't stop looking at and, and I love, I love that green tech stuff I was showing you today. Some of those stories, um, even if they're not true, they're just they're tears down your face funny, some of them. True. The, uh, you know, the rifle guy. Okay? Ready, aim. <laughs> yes, Captain. <laughs> they started to sing SpongeBob. <laughs> I can hear you. It's a, it's a long story, but gee, it was funny. So, yes, you know, God bless the internet for that stuff. That's true. Uh, we need a bit of levity, a bit of humour in our lives. That's true. Mate, it's been a cracker podcast. Oh, mate, I, yeah, we could do this all the time. And this is what I, you know, I said to you. We could, we could talk all night and uh, it'll be fun. So we, we've got plenty of material. What's, uh, what's coming up in the next few weeks? Where, what, what's on? What's on for the... Uh, well, that's a good question. For, what's on for the big AD? What is on? Uh, I've got a couple of assignments to finish. Yep. And um, I'm taking a six-month sabbatical from study. Yep. Because it's just... With everything I'm doing, they're starting to interfere with each other. So, And I probably need to rest my head out of the books for a bit too. Yeah. Um, so apart from that, just jogging along, doing what I need to do. Um, recording, hopefully. Yep. So, um, if we get the studio when we get it finalised, and I'll bring some bring some gear down, and we'll um, start smashing and punching away on some stuff. Smashing and passion. Well, <laughs> if the mood's right and the lighting is fine, and that could be the name for our band. G'day, we're Smash Pash. That's really gross when you consider what. <laughs> That's a cracker name, though. Smash Bash and welcome to Top of the Pops. <laughs> We're Smash Bash. Hey, um, so yeah, so it's it's a bit of, I guess, a bit of uncharted territory mm. for the next few months for me. It's my uh, favourite territory. Well, I think so. Uh, looking forward to you know, having a bit of time to, to do what I want to do. You know, I, I've got this secret thing lately. Which Good. I've been doing on YouTube. Tell me about it. Which I want to do. And I'm watching these videos of people um, making furniture and restoring things. And I look at that and think, gee, I'd love to give that a crack. So, Man, I'm telling you now, Kenneko and I used to go out and um, 
drive around and when people are having those chuck out days mm. and we get like we've got a bit of furniture here that we've salvaged mm. and you know sand it back coat of paint yep. do some things to it voila i've been watching these guys they they restore hand tools and power tools old things and you know like i to me that is boring as that shit well for you it might be but for me just sitting there just fidgeting and, and, and doing so is really cathartic for me because i need to be tactile i'm a tactile person you know so like you, you can't sit still. Um, you have to do stuff. I can sit still, but I need to be doing stuff with my hands to, otherwise, you know, I end up getting. I've got a solution moving. for you. I'm not I'm doing that. Uh, I was gonna say just undo the stitching in your pockets. <laughs> yeah, no, can't reach. Fat, short arms, you know. Fair enough. Um, so maybe you know, I'm gonna have a look at that. I, what possibility? Set the garage up a bit, and yeah, so this. Again, this uncharted territory is could be exciting. Hmm. And if worst comes to worst, I'll just come hassle you at work. Yeah. I don't work. Mm. No, I know you don't have a job. You actually have something you enjoy doing. So, mm. wise man once said, "If you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life." <laughs> Talk about that wise man <laughs> saying. Oh. I always, have, since I was a kid, and I've always found it funny, and no one else does. Mm. And I like, uh, you know what a wise man once said? I need to take a shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, a wise man would recognise that, yeah. So I'd, I'd, absolutely. And, uh, and, and, I'll, and the other one I've got is, uh, I like saying, uh, well, you know what they say? And they go, what? And I go, well, no, don't, don't I you said, know? you know what they say. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like things your uncle or grandpa would say to you. Yes. I well, see, said the blind man to the deaf boy. Yeah. Okay, let's wrap it up. But before we go, have you got a dad joke for us? A dad joke? Um, well, dad jokes normally happen organically, don't they? They do. They, really... they come from situational activities. They do. You know, I, um, it's really hard to, to drop a, a dad joke, but... There was something I saw the other day that was quite funny. It's, uh, somebody said, you know, what's what's a joke you, you do when someone drops the, tells a joke? Um, and it said, I'm trying to remember how it went, and I'll probably spoil it, but it said, I have an EpiPen. My friend gave it to me while he was lying there dying. I don't know why he thought I must have it, but it seemed really important to him at the time. That's gold. <laughs> I'll hang on to it for the rest of my life. <laughs> it's, it's like an update on the old. I want to go. I want to die in my sleep like my father, and not screaming and yelling like his passengers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just forgot about the joke I was going to tell. It was gold there. I'm sure it was. Well, I knew I could count on you, mate, for a good dad joke. So. Oh well, um, I I do my best. I I aim to impress and all the rest. That rhymed. I could be that rapper guy. <laughs> <laughs> your movie uh, no looking forward to being Keith I'm going to go out going to pull the chicks and get to show them all my massive style <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm, 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 I'm really looking forward to, to being Keith and uh, you know falling through drum kits and falling asleep and um, that physical humour I think I was, I was made for that because I've got a I'm lot going to be hard on you as far as directing I've got a lot of padding I've got exactly in my mind what I want from the Actors. Mate, keep this up. You can be hard on me anytime. It's been good to chat with you. <laughs> well, speaking of hard, it's been great talking to you, my friend, and it's time that we leave.
Like, why are you talking like a pirate now? <laughs> kind of started South African and ended up with sort of weird sort of Irish. <laughs> What's that joke about the pirate with the heart condition? Army arteries or something. <laughs> Army arteries. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, shop at the Red House. Yep. I wonder if I have online stuff. Uh, but we will um, we'll catch up very soon. And we'll do that uh, the best of YouTube podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, mate. That's, That'll be funny. That's a cracker. Already there. And we'll get some just audio takes of yeah of uh, some pretty funny stuff. Absolutely. And I'm going to look for some more of these jokes for next time. So We'll do. All right. So just on the music scene front, Blackjack not playing for a while. We do hope to be in the recording studio shortly. Yes. Um, we would like to thank personally from uh, Adam and myself... Uh, Killmeister, Dead End Brawler, and of course the one and only Applebyte, Beggars on Acid the other day for that great gig. Uh, always a pleasure to play with those gentlemen. Yeah. And had a lot of fun. Adam, take care, mate. You Look too, after man. yourself. Good to catch up. This is Stax. We're out.
Do you feel a bit? Hi, boys. Play the music. <laughs>